Hello, it is your partner, Big Boy, interested in giving back to your community while making new connections in your neighborhood. Introducing Neighbor to Neighbor, a California volunteers network that empowers you to take action, contribute to local needs, and be a part of something bigger than yourself. Visit caneighbors.com to learn more about how you can get to know your neighbor and strengthen your community. Neighbor to Neighbor, it takes a neighborhood. Hello. Dr. Burke. My name is Benjamin Linus. I'm really looking forward to working with you. Watch your step here. Rewatch podcast here on Post Show Recaps, talking season three, episode 16, but not the episode 316. This time I got it, Mike. Uh, one of us. Yeah, I apologize, Josh. Actually, I uh, prematurely initiated your sort of chip that I implanted with you back when we started this <laughs> podcast to make that 316 joke one week early. Yeah. So I do apologize about that. But on the other hand, I guess Is that I was why sort I of was bleeding profusely from uh, the ears and mouth and stuff. I mean, that just happens from talking with me for longer than an hour or so, so I do apologize about that, but I've been proclaimed a hero, uh, so I guess it also, it's sort of like a win-win situation. Let yes. me get back to tying my knots here. You came back to the beach, and you were feated as a hero, not fleeted uh, <laughs> as a hero. You've been fleeting, Mike? I don't understand it. You and I have had a conversation <laughs> yeah. about this in the Discord that I needed some like extreme explanation mm. as to why, what when just basically all the major questions when it comes to fleeting it makes little to no sense with me personally i mean this could be a situation where much like juliet in 815 we are initially very distant and cold to it and then we'll eventually be welcomed not only into our arms but in some cases into our beds do you think the submarine was part of a fleet of submarines Mm. 
I mean, we do. Yeah, we only see the Galaga. And Galaga, though, it was a game, I believe, that was about a fleet of starships, not uh, not ships proper. Is so, that what you call a, a fleet of submarines? Yeah, I imagine so. I imagine any sort of like nautical vehicles are, are brought into a fleet. I don't know. All right. Well, here we are. It's the second ever Juliet Burke flashback. Yeah, the, the, the middle of the Juliet sandwich, if you will, because we're going to have one more flashback mm-hmm. after this. Obviously, Juliet's going to be around for a while, both from chronological perspective and from a, a real-life perspective, but this is only the second of three flashbacks we're going to get from her. And we did end up with some good win in here. I think where my brain ball as Joe Garfine, who was on Origin <laughs> Story this week, would, would say it got fried, is that it's the next Juliet episode that's like really about the Goodwin thing. Right. This this is more so a, like a, oh, they're a thing. It's like, and oh, then you these realize, two are like eating ice cream sundaes in bed, uh, Sawyer style. Which, I I mean, I don't, I that did not like, like look like good ice cream to me. I don't know how much they were hurting. It was like very fudgy. I was like, ooh, give me some of that well, chocolate sauce. And see, I didn't even know what it was at first. It looked more chunky like an mm-hmm. oatmeal, but I guess I realized there was a lot of mix-ins involved. I kind of feel like maybe a hot fudge oatmeal wouldn't be the worst thing. Hot fudge oatmeal? <laughs> I don't know. As far as oatmeals go, like maybe there's something there. I don't that, know. That sounds like Hurley at the beginning of Everybody Hates Hugo when he's just like piling away all the food, <laughs> like hot just fudge. make that hot fudge oatmeal. They used to call me hot fudge oats back in the day. Uh, so it's the second Juliet flashback. This is really like Juliet as an other, um, but mm. we are also sort of bridging the gap from where we left her in not in Portland in the flashbacks there. And we are also integrating Juliet into the primary 815 group. <laughs> Which um, we put in, in quotations because the integration say, yeah. or lack thereof is the basis the of this episode. The integration was short. Yeah, no, there's some questions surrounding Juliet Burke. There's some questions surrounding the people's reactions to Juliet. I think even some questions regarding certain people's introductions of Juliet to the group. I think a mm-hmm. lot of questions abound in this episode of Lost, which I, I certainly enjoy more than, uh, than last week's uh, Left yeah. Behind. Uh, I think that there's, you know, there's, there's some stuff that's still a little wobbly here, um, but by and large, I think this is a really fun episode of the show. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting, you know, where we're sort of like a four-headed team behind the scenes of you, me, the Ben behind the curtain, and the great Brendan Fitzpatrick, who runs all the poster recaps, uh, social media stuff, as well as does some stuff with Down the Hatch as well. And I, I posted about this in the Discord, but it seems like between the man from Tallahassee, Left Behind, and uh, one of us, like all of us, if we're including the two of us as a collective, each one of those three episodes is our least favorite episode of the bunch. So now we've sort of reached... Fitzy's term. We're certainly going to get into it from the ending perspective. But that being said, this is another one of, again, those like middle stretch of season three episodes that I remember always enjoying, but not necessarily thinking this is a top tier episode necessarily. Spoiler alert, I think I've sort of settled on the same conclusion. What I will say is, yes, this is a Juliet Burke flashback episode, but I would honestly say I think this is a Juliet Burke and Ben Linus flashback episode. And it is very interesting to me. And well, this will you know come out through the sounds as well. How much the flashbacks are not necessarily Juliet based, but really Juliet and Ben based. Really, outside of the Richard Alpert scene and the scene with her and Goodwin, there is so much Ben to be had in this scene, even though he is missing from the the main timeline proper. Yeah, Ben with his gigantic white parachute khakis uh, <laughs> when he rolls up in that scene that we listened to at the top of the podcast. His his pants are billowing in the breeze, Mike. I don't know if you noticed that. Yeah, I did notice that. Maybe he was just coming off of... I mean, this could They're be huge. some of the... 
this could have been the Jacob funeral wear, or maybe he was, you know, uh, working with the whole Dharma dance group, uh, hip hop troupe <laughs> on their version of "Can't Touch This," and he, ju- he, he just happened like, to be like, "Oh, I got the memo. Got to go greet the new uh, the new maternity nurse." I don't know. Ben Linus just like loves a size like forty five. I don't know. Is that a size? It's like a forty four. Yeah, I one, well, I think it's less so about the waist, though. I think it's more so about the leg. I don't think you can measure the pair it's, of pants yeah. from the no, leg the, width. The, the waist seemed, you know, appropriately snug. The pant, uh, the pant, my gosh, the pant. Yeah, I mean, he can he can rock the ha- the harem Bag. pants, I think. I'm surprised he's not able to make things baggier, but maybe he, the crash of 815 allowed him to tighten things up, mm-hmm. both from like a logistics perspective and from a wardrobe perspective. Yes, a very progressive look for Benjamin Linus. And, uh, oh, look at that. Speaking of progressive, Mike, it's my great pleasure to inform you that today's podcast is brought to you by Progressive. Support for today's episode comes from Progressive Insurance. Fun fact. Progressive customers qualify for an average of six discounts when they sign up for Progressive Auto Insurance. Discounts for things like enrolling in automatic payments, insuring more than one car, going paperless, and, of course, being a safe driver. Plus, customers who bundle their auto with home or add renter's insurance save an average of 12% on their auto. There's so many ways to save when you switch. And once you're a customer with Progressive, you get unmatched claims service with 24-7 support online or by phone. It's no wonder why more than 20 million drivers trust Progressive and why they've recently climbed to the third largest auto insurer in the country. So get a quote online at Progressive.com in as little as five minutes and see how much you could be saving. Auto insurance from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates Home and Renters Insurance, not available in all states, provided and serviced by affiliated and third-party insurers. Discounts vary and are not available in all states and situations. Speaking of states and situations, Mike, uh, what a state, what a situation we find so many of these characters in this week, whether it's Juliet being a stranger in a strange land, Mm -hmm. as it were, or Claire being the victim of a makes-you-bleed device. Yeah, I was going to say, she's, like, she's, in a, she's in a state of peril, I would say, from a medicinal perspective. I would also imagine if Jack Shepard was a progressive insurance agent, you know, he'd be able to come by with a tarp and some supplies to rebuild your shelter if need be. You would think so. He's certainly able to do that in this episode. So, let's go forth into the jungle. Let's talk One of Us, directed by your friend Jack Bender, uh, written by Carlton Cuse and Drew Goddard. Originally aired April 11th, 2007, once again centering on Juliet. Uh, and we begin the episode, there's some some of that a really great uh, Giacchino score throughout mm-hmm. this episode, I think. Uh, yeah, there's a, I, I'll, I'll sort of like parse some Jim Fells stuff throughout. Yeah, why don't you, because I got to imagine there's a lot of great stuff in the Jim Fells video this week. Yeah, so there's a lot of big stuff. And actually, I want to sort of bring it up throughout uh, the episode. But suffice it to say, there is a lot of Juliet, Juliet, theming but also mainly a lot of others themes in this episode because obviously the big question as you said many questions going into this episode is can they trust Juliet is she one of us or is she one of them and Giacchino brings in a lot of others theming throughout the episode to really indicate you know that she is regarded as one of the others it's almost like Giacchino is one of the 815ers and that he is sort of giving his own POV for most of it uh, and that will turn at a certain point. But yeah, there's going to be a lot of little motifs throughout that, that I'll, I'll bring up throughout our discussion here. Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, so they're walking through the aisle, and it's Saeed in the lead, Juliet following behind Kate and Jack. 
They cross the stream. You know the stream. The only stream that exists yeah. on the island. It's the, the one. The, like, the crying stream when you go yeah. and you're really having like a bad day. Just go to that stream. Yeah, it's where Mr. Echo is drinking his water. Like there seems to be just the one stream. Yeah, um, I mean, uh, yeah, everyone's, I mean, it's it's a pretty important stream, too. That's where, you know, it, it'll, it'll eventually lead to the heart of the island at the end of it. There's only one stream, but damn if it isn't significant. Uh, so they're going to they're gonna set up camp here. So it's, it's getting late. This is a good place to set up camp. It's the stream. We all know the stream. Uh, so Jack and Kate are going to go off to get firewood. Juliet is going to be left behind. Ha ha. All by herself with Saeed. We kind of awkward. Uh, so Jack and Kate are on uh, Junior Deputy Firewood Bitch Patrol, a la Rob Sestermino, <laughs> when Kate wants to know, like, hey, so uh, so what happened? Like, tell me about the week. I want to know more about the week. Uh, she doesn't want to know about any of, like, the Hydra Island stuff either. Does she feel like she's like, well, you were in the in the, in the prison cell. I figure it's probably. Yeah, like, oh, I figured you, you sort of, like, subletted uh, me and Sawyer's old place. Yeah. But why, why are you playing football, bro? Yeah, what's up with the football? And Jack's just like, well, you know, Mr. Friendly, he needed someone to teach him. No, Yeah, because, uh, you know, he can't throw. <laughs> he doesn't know how to throw, and I was trying to help him out. No, he said, I made a deal with Ben. If I take care of Ben, they'll let me go. So I kept my head down and didn't ask questions. And she goes, that's it? He goes, that's it. Yeah, so I mean, this is a weird sort of follow-up to the conversation they had in The Man from Tallahassee, right? There's, there's clearly some awkward stuff there, and also concerning what Kate just experienced with Juliet as well. Uh, Kate, I think, is still pretty leery of Jack, despite, again, that impassioned conversation as, with him assuring her, I did this for us. I think she is still very hesitant to maybe not necessarily trust him, but give him as much trust as she did before, considering that I think she thinks he's he's withholding something from her. Yeah, I think so as well. So it's it's uncomfortable. It's awkward. I think one of the things that and I'm actually like I'm I'm going back and forth on it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um though though I think maybe if we could talk it through, uh it, sure. it's something it, it's something to 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 you know plant a flag in as we like to say around these parts is that season three, maybe one of the reasons why it doesn't work for some people or why it can be um, a frustrating experience from time to time is that Jack is really at a remove. Um, mm. Like Jack not only has been separate from the group for a long time, but like Jack was separated from us for a minute. Right. Um, and I think it's by design. I think it's by design because they're they're going to want to like get us into this position of thinking that like is jack one of them is jack like possibly like just like totally wrapped around juliet's finger like it's supposed to get us i think feeling pretty tense as we start barreling towards this idea that's set up at the end of this episode where there's a ticking time bomb uh the others are coming they've got they're coming in a week and um we're going to get into this place of like it seems like maybe jack knows about that so like i think it's all to like sort of deliver this idea that by the end of the season, he's going to be like, we've come up with a plan. We're going to blow them up. We're going to right. never have to worry about the others again. I think part and parcel with that, keeping Jack at a remove gets us feeling like relative, like if not comfortable, then at least like it's sort of like the, the stranger in a strange land argument, like another piece of that, which mm-hmm. is like if that flashback helps ease us into the idea that Jack's flash forward could have occurred in the past. Then I think the fact that we're as disoriented with Jack as we are during season three, even though he's the main character who we we know really well due to the first two seasons, that it it gets you feeling like you're already like so disoriented with him that you could buy into the idea that there was a piece of Jack's past where he was really at a low. Um, so I think that there's some utility to keeping Jack at a remove, 
But there might also be some like frustrating bits of it where it's like when he's saying like, that's it. I just kept my head down. No questions asked. And we never got to see that stuff when we never really do get to see that stuff. And I think that like events bear out that he's probably telling the truth here. But I can understand why that might be frustrating. So I guess my question for you is like, do you see any of that? Does that track for you? And if so, or if not, like, what do you what do you think Hmm. is like? What's the balance of that? Like, is is there more reward here than uh, you know? Is is the juice worth the squeeze? To to put it in parlance that we're familiar with. Yeah, I mean, I, I know that. And first of all, don't put tranquilizer in any of that juice that you're squeezing. No um, way. But I, uh, but Drink I it th- slowly, please. I mean, as long as I've watched Lost, even in the moment, I never really had that inclination of like maybe Jack is one of them. Uh, I sort of believed him at his word in the conversation from the man from Tallahassee. But I think your thought has sort of pinged something in my brain that I actually uh, read from the great Jesse Camacho in our Discord last week about how one of the interesting things from season loss, from Lost Season 3 is not necessarily like the pacing of characters, but their appearances. Because I think maybe driving home a point about that you're making about uh you know where we don't know where jack stands is that we see him so spottily in this you know batch of episodes you know really after stranger in a strange land he's like popping up here and there he appears in the very end of enter seven seven he appears for like brief seconds in par avion has a couple of scenes in the man from tallahassee not an expose at the very end of left behind so it's it's weird right to say like hey this is our main character for all intents and purposes and he is essentially missing uh except for drips and drabs from like the last five episodes essentially and you could say the same thing about john Locke as well we see john Locke leaves and left behind john Locke's going to be gone for quite some time uh and so it's that's it's another thing is that's weird as well a a pretty legendary character is going to be missing for a chunk of things and obviously they had plans we're going to see through the brig you know exactly what was going on there but it's it's unconventional in terms of timing out where these characters are going. And so you make, I guess, more suppositions by proxy as to what did we not see, but it also makes it hard to sort of catch back up with where these characters are mentally, that maybe that's the intention, but it's, it's definitely, I think the side effect of it. I think it's interesting to consider that, um, this is, this is, if not like a frustrating season, it's a season that has like, it feels like, a relatively deliberate lack of John and Locke uh, of Jack and Locke. Um, and I think like there are, there are certain characters that get short shrifted this season. Mm. Um, I think like Saeed is probably a decent example of somebody who's sort of like, is there, he's part of like action crews, but like, is there, is there like a huge Saeed story this year? That's, yeah. That's the thing. And I, I wonder as well, like, I mean, could it, could it be like, I mean, I don't know if, when we'll have the time to talk about this, but like, could this be a consequence of the post Shannon storyline? Yeah. Where, yes, he, I, he did have, he did have, you know, one of them, but really outside of that, there wasn't, and the Henry Gale stuff, there really wasn't much to Saeed, I would even say in the back half of season two. I think that there's something there. I think that there's also, um, with, with some of these characters, we're just like, we know them and they're getting like, they're getting developed this year, but just like sort of at a, at a pace we're not used to. Um, yeah. And I think like there, there are a lot of understandable reasons for that. Like they need to introduce Desmond and make him somebody who's like Ben yeah. Rock on the I mean, show. I would make, they I would need make to the do argument that, with, that like Ben and Juliet. Yeah. And I think season three, they're really trying to build out like the idea of an ensemble 
which is interesting because I do feel like sort of season four moving forward, they then sort of go back on it and try to focus on more of a core group of characters. But I think that's the reason why you, you have these like Charlie flashbacks, why you have even a Claire flashback in there and why we're doing a lot more campsite stuff than maybe we did in season two, especially yeah. with stuff like expose, uh, you know, or Trisha Tanaka is because I think they really want to focus on like building out the whole group of survivors. Uh, but, it, but it's a weird pattern to your point when we, especially when season two sort of became a distillation, a bit of like Jack versus Locke to a certain extent with stuff in the hatch to sort of then have a little bit of a reset in that Jack and Locke stay largely separated for the entirety of the season until he throws a knife in Naomi's back. It's, it's an interesting choice. Um, all right. So just, I think, food for thought. Uh, it was just something that struck me uh, in, like, some of the way that Jack is handled in this episode specifically, and now that he's back on the beach. Like, I think it's it's worth tracking, like, uh, how are we feeling about right? Because because it's also it's a thing I can imagine a lot of feedback is like, wow, Jack sure getting duped. But I think there is also a voice in the back of your head that said, well, maybe he's in on it as well and is just helping his co-conspirator worm her way into the group. I don't think that he is yet. I think that that I think that that's still some time away. But like, I I think that like the show, I think maybe the show wants us to like be at a little bit of a remove from Jack. I think uh, it's it's an interesting point. I think yeah, so. Yeah. Um. Okay. So Juliet's bathing and Saeed is like. Very uh, uncomfortably just, like, staring her down. Uh, you know, we've seen Saeed do this before, like, when he was, like, just watching Ana Lucia sleep. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like, Saeed has this weird thing where he just watches his enemies in moments of, like, vulnerability. Well, I think he's the human lie detector, right? I think he he understands, like, you know most from a person when they, they feel like their guard is their down and, down, like, how yeah. they truly behave. So maybe he's trying to catch her in that moment of vulnerability. Yeah, so uh, she's like, all right, so what do you want? Uh, let's just have it. And so he wastes no time. He just launches right into it. Why are you guys here? Yeah. Why are you terrorizing us? What's up with the lists? What's up with you kidnapping kids? Tell me about all of that. But first, tell me who, about you. Who are you? Who are you? Who, 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 who? <laughs> yeah. Not every nook and cranny. Uh, <laughs> so really great. No nonsense. Uh, zero bullshit from the human lie detector. And that cues us up for uh, a our first flashback of the episode. And you know it's a flashback because Juliet's got that flashback hair. Yeah, she's got that wavy hair. And that was also, I did not realize until after the fact, because I, for some reason, so they're at this airport, and I thought for some reason Rachel had come with her, like, to Portland, quote-unquote Portland, to take on this job. But I, I guess I should have looked at the hair, to your point, Josh, that the volume indicates they are still in Florida. Still in Florida. Uh, there's surveillance cameras. Ethan just shows us, like, I'll get your bags. Ethan's kind of creepy here. Um, Albert comes out, he's like, hey, come on in. By the way, we've got to say bye to Rachel here. I'm, I'm very sorry about that. Yeah. Um, so the sisters, uh, the sisters Burke, uh, are going to have a, a final, a final goodbye. Yeah. This is the last time. I mean, Juliet's going to see Rachel, yeah. uh, but this is the last time they will ever talk to each other. I will say, um, you know, I'm, I'm so happy that Rachel is in the place that she's in. Maybe a little presumptive on her part to say that her cancer will never come back i mean yeah. we're gonna get to that later on but but i do think unfortunately we we both know uh from you know firsthand experience to a certain extent about how uh cancer can certainly return in people who have been afflicted with it before but i guess good on rachel for keeping a, a stiff upper lip when it comes to a positive attitude she's preggers now a hundred percent so she's, yeah. she's looking forward and no ways back i love that i'm a hundred percent preggers is a great line uh, but she's saying, like, you're supposed to go. Get out of here. 
you know, we're never really going to hang with Rachel again. Again, yeah. you, you mentioned that we do see her at the end of this episode, and that's great. But, like, we're not really going to do much with Rachel anymore past this point. It makes me wonder, like, because Juliet's never going to come back. You know, she'll never see Juliet again. And she's the one who's really gung-ho about the job opportunity, which even Juliet, by her own admission, a couple scenes from now in the flashback is going to be like, when she's like, really like, you guys are going to like, you're going to roofie me yeah. and like, tell me that you're roofying me and you're just going to expect me to this, do it. This deal keeps getting worse and worse. You know, like, I'm. Uh, this is where I draw the line, but like, nobody uh, could could like, vouch for you guys. Like, no one's ever heard of you. Uh, and I'm and I'm going along with it, and so like Rachel is is one of the people who's like, yeah, yeah, go, go. Yeah, like, you uh, you spent your whole life working to get here, so don't blow it. When Juliet never returns, uh, like we know that Rachel's going to name her her son after Juliet, mm. Julian. Uh, <laughs> yes, Julie, a young Julian Bashir, yeah, genetically Julian. enhanced. Well, maybe that's the thing. Actually, maybe Rachel wasn't pregnant. Maybe there was some some genetic. Uh, Futzing, and so it created this baby that grew up to be the great Julian Bashir from Star Trek: Deep Space Nine. Julian, uh, and so is she going to? How how is she going to be carrying this with her? Is my question. Like, I cannot imagine this is going to sit well with her for the rest of her life. Well, I think something interesting is that someone is going to be coming back from the island in the form of James Sawyer Ford. Hey, interesting. Yeah, and it's going to be like, hey, uh, I know you don't know me, but uh, like, I'm kind of your brother-in-law. Technically speaking, so just wanted to introduce myself. Uh, do Julian and Clementine want to do a little play date while we talk through things? This is a great idea that I have never really considered before, and I love it. I think it's great. I yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting little familial connections. Uh, so, I mean, it's it's almost like, you know, Kate sort of dropping by on Cassidy uh, when she came back to the island. So going to have to kind of do that as well. I mean, I don't know. I would assume that Julia told him about Rachel and everything. So oh, he yeah, knows. Yeah. He knows her a, situation. Yeah, they've got a, they've got a long time. <laughs> so he's like, all right, you're the only person that'll, let, that'll make me go back to Florida. I'm staying away from there ever since what happened in Tampa. So they're separating and she's getting in the car and they're going their separate ways. There's a really sweet look on uh, Elizabeth Mitchell's face as she gets into the car. Sort of this like, ooh, here we go. Yeah, I, I got to say, this is a killer episode She's for so Elizabeth good. Mitchell. She's so good. Like, even as much praise as I can heap onto her in Not in Portland, like, my heart breaks so much for Juliet in this episode, more than any episode previous for the character. And I think Elizabeth Mitchell just does an incredible job of really wearing her heart on her sleeve, especially in those flashbacks. Um, so back on the island, we're getting the, you know, Juliet, like, answering the who are you question. She said, if I told you everything, you'd kill me. Uh, and Saeed says, well, what do you think I'm going to do if you don't tell yeah. me? <laughs> Listen, it's a win-win for me. Yeah. Uh, and so Jack shows and goes, get away from her. Leave her alone. <laughs> She's under my protection. She's under my protection. Uh, it's very tense. Very tense. It's like the yeah, horns it, of the others are blaring underneath all of Well, because it's, it's very clear that, uh, you know, even though Saeed sort of relented when Jack said she's coming with us because she's one of us, like, Saeed clearly was not on board completely. And so no, he really is like, sure, Jack, I'll walk with her, but I'm not going to walk alongside her. And I think maybe Jack is starting. I don't know if Jack, what Jack necessarily expected, if he expected her to, to like, fit in seamlessly or if he, he knew that there was going to be this type of tension, but... It's definitely there, and it's going to hold, especially as Saeed finds an unlikely bedfellow when it comes to this sort of uh, suspicion against her. Yeah, I got to say, like, I, I appreciate that Jack has formed a bond with Juliet. He trusts Juliet. He wants Juliet to come back with them. 
Um, but this is another instance of Dr. Shepard's infamous bedside manner. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's just, he does not deliver any of this well. He does not make this transition easy for anybody. It's not great. Well, it's a, it's a little solipsistic from a certain perspective, right? Of like, I trust her, so therefore you should all trust her. So transitive right. property. If you trust me and I trust her, therefore you, you should, should trust her. Yeah, so there's a lot of that in this episode. It works with some people. It works uh, less well with others. So back at the beach, Charlie's just going for a little walk here. His poor little turnip head crying. Mm, oh. If only Sawyer's voice worked once more, could have just brought him over. But yeah, Claire has sort of slept through the baby alarm, as it will. She's sort of feeling out of it. Uh, less so, you know, being physically afflicted yet, but it seems like something's up with Claire once yes. again for the third season in a row. The implant has been triggered. Uh, oh my we'll, God. We'll, we'll get out, to that. We'll find out more about that. So back in the jungle, uh, Said, he's hacking and slashing his way. Uh, Jack and Juliet are walking around. Uh, and Juliet says like, oh, I don't think that these guys like me very much. Jack's like, why? She's like, well, you know, we did handcuff Said for three days. Three days? Yeah, I guess was it really three days? I suppose so. I uh, guess it was a, it was a night, at least a day, and then probably uh, you know this was probably not like a full seventy two. Well, I guess know? do it in Left Behind. Did they leave Saeed cuffed to that swing set as they gassed the place and they just left yeah, him there she for that said, day? Saeed, you'll find Saeed in Saeed's in one of these yards. I'll go find him. <laughs> I think is go, what she said. Go yard hopping, and I'm sure yeah. you'll find Saeed somewhere. Yeah, so Saeed's somewhere. He's just handcuffed to a swing set. Uh, and so Jack asks her, are you feeling nervous? And she says, hell yeah. It's a dog of two or two for two, and Elizabeth Mitchell it. saying things that, like, 90s pro skaters Dave Mira would say, of like, awesome and hell yeah. At this point, we have to just, you know, this this shit's in character for Juliet. Apparently, I love you know? it, that she has, sort of has this, yeah. like, little little streak to her of, like, hell yes, well, I'm, do- thing- I'm ready. <laughs> hell yeah. Like, the thing that I love about Juliet is uh, she, she's always keeping you guessing. So, uh, he- are you nervous? Hell yeah. Yeah, like, um, it's almost like she's like the undercover cop from that perspective, right? Of like, I'm jump streeting it. I know yeah. what these kids are like. How you do, fellow 815ers. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, so one more flashback here as we are going to, uh, we're going to, we're going to send Juliet off on her merry way via Richard Alpert and via a tall glass of OJ. So, uh, why don't we listen in on this? Cause Richard Alpert's gonna, gonna have some stuff to say to, to Ms. Burke. I know that uh, six months sounds like an eternity, but you're going to be amazed at how time flies once you're there. I can't wait to find out where there is. Dr. Burke, come and have a seat. I'd like to take some of your vitals, if that's okay with you. Yeah, sure. So everyone at the company is really excited about you coming down, Dr. Burke. And I think your research is really going to have a major impact on us. What is that? That is orange juice with a considerable amount of tranquilizer mixed in. You want me to drink it? Oh, yes. You're going to want to be asleep for the trip, Dr. Burke. It can be kind of intense. Uh, Okay. I was fine with signing all of your paperwork. Fine with agreeing to not talk to anyone in my life for six months. Fine with the fact that no one in the medical community has ever heard of Mitlow's bioscience. Why were you fine? What? Why were you fine with those things? It, it seems like quite a leap for a job opportunity. And we're not paying you that much. 
I think you're fine because deep down a part of you knows that the place we're taking you to is special. Special, huh? Let me ask you something, Juliet. You took a woman, your own sister, whose reproductive system was ravaged by chemotherapy, who was sterile, and you made her pregnant. You created life where life wasn't supposed to be. That's a gift, Juliet. You have a gift. Now, don't you feel you're meant to do something significant with it? Where we're going, you can do just that. Where exactly are I we going? I can't tell you that. But what I can tell you is that you'll see things there that you never imagined. No one is forcing you to do anything. So if you change your mind, we're happy to take you back to. And she drinks the whole glass. And they're like, "Whoa, you did that kind of fast." She's like, yeah. is, "Is that a problem?" They're like, "Yeah, you're about to just like be unconscious for days." I I really <laughs> you're gonna go into a a shallow coma. I don't know <laughs> if that's a thing. Yeah, uh, just a just a soft coma, really. Yeah, soft nothing, nothing, coma. nothing to worry about. I really enjoy this scene specifically. Knowing what we know about the Richard Alpert story, it's that much richer, or I guess Richard, uh, from that perspective. Like hearing him say lines like "the time just flies by," or him saying, "you know, you can things will happen in this island that you can never imagine." Knowing what Richard has firsthand experienced, it's interesting to have him sort of serve as the face of Middle East slash the island from that perspective of him being sort of being like, not only you know, uh, am I a shill for the hair club for men, I'm also its number one customer. That's right. sort of Richard Alpert in this moment. Right, right, right. And I also do wonder, too, about, like, his awareness of Juliet, because I believe he's met her. Um, well, yeah, I mean, he, he was the one that was representing Middle East into the whole presentation. Well, beyond that, I don't even mean that. I mean, like, I believe he, he may have met her if I'm—my memory of it isn't, like, I don't have immediate recall on it, mm. but did, did he—I believe he at least encountered her in the 50s uh, yeah. when she was time-hopping. I, you know— he deals with Sawyer in the 70s, at the mm-hmm. very least, and is aware of, like, Sawyer's presence. Like, does he know who Juliet is if he's been spying on the Dharma people during the 70s? That's um, interesting. So, yeah, so he has the the capacity to know that she will discover, not only will she be on the island. So, again, what he's saying is sort of, uh, you know, has no weight to it, as we'll discover in this episode. Many people will make Juliet promises that do not go through, because he can say, you can leave at any time, but he knows She's not going to leave because he's already seen her travel back in time and know that she is going to be on the island. Exactly. And like, um, you know, she she delivers Ethan. Does he know that? You know, there's Mm -hmm. there's a lot here to. to, Oh, do you think do you think that was part of the appeal for Ethan was, uh, you know, (laughs) Albert being like, hey, you want to see the woman that delivered you? Yeah, I think so. And maybe that's why Ethan regards her so creepily. So, like, you know, when this problem emerges that I think, you know, Richard and the others may have their eye on Juliet because, well, she's, you know, delivered life on yeah. this island in she, the yeah, past. She did, yeah, exactly. That's why I think Ben is so adamant about her staying, right. maybe, of, you know, her, despite her saying this is a fruitless situation, we're at a dead end. He's like, no, 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 you've done it before. I just yeah. can't tell you that, technically speaking. And, you know, the Richard Alpert pitch 
here is so uh, echoing to what's going to happen in Cabin Fever, as we see when, you know, Richard stumbles upon a young John Locke, this whole thing of, you know, you created life where life wasn't supposed to be. That's a gift, Juliet. You have a gift. It's a pitch that works with multiple people, this idea of telling them that they're special. And I also do love this is going to be an episode where people call each other out on things. And I do like Richard sort of calling out Juliet of her being like, wait a minute, this is all so sketchy. And he's like, yeah, you knew this a while ago. So why did you sign up for this again? Right, right, right. So there's, it, it's it's really interesting to think about the the time travel pieces to this. Um, it'll it'll make your your nose bleed, and you don't even need the <laughs> that's implant. Just, yeah, that's just the it. implant, maybe. Uh-huh. Uh, so she chugs the juice. She gets on on the submarine after she's passed out. She gets out of the submarine. Really cool shot of uh, up the hatch. Yeah. Uh, as, as Juliet's coming out of the submarine. Yeah, and, and Ethan, well, Ethan is first, like, standing again, very glaringly, just staring at her, standing outside of her bunk. I also like a, a little callback to further instructions, right, where Juliet can't talk for a little bit. Maybe that means that Locke took some tranquilizers when the mm-hmm. hatch imploded. Uh, but Juliet walks out in, the, in these big old heels and realizes she is not properly dressed for the island. And as we talked about in the intro clip, here comes Ben in his genie pants, but will grant They're no huge. wishes for Juliet. They're Burke, huge. And she welcomes her to the island. This pants are just ginormous. Uh, very, very much looking forward to working with you. Meanwhile, back at the beach. Uh, Charlie's hanging out. He's making oatmeal. No, no fudge sauce that I can see on this is, oatmeal. Uh, I'm, I'm not an oatmeal person. Is oatmeal supposed to be soggy? Like, is it an actual complaint that oatmeal's too soggy, or is, or is it always supposed to be soggy? I don't ask me. I'm not a big oatmeal man myself. Uh, but oatmeal, uh, oatmeal nation, sound off. <laughs> Hit us up. How do you like your oatmeal? We won't yeah. read it on the podcast, but I'll read the email and cherish it personally. How dry should your oatmeal be, <laughs> ideally speaking? Um, Sawyer says, three men and a baby. He's counting Hugo twice. What a dick. I mean, uh, and he's also definitely trying to find a loophole right here. Of like, I didn't do a nickname. I made a popular culture reference and used Hugo's full name, so therefore you can't ding me for it. And this um, is the, again, this is the guy who's supposed to be the leader right now. I know, but he's he's very sweet here. Where Claire's like, I got a headache. I don't feel so well. Uh, she needs some aspirin. And so says, two aspirin coming right up. Yeah, look at pharmacist James Ford here. You know, he's got he's you know he's remembering his his lessons of uh, sometimes. It, uh, be, the most important rule, Roadhouse style, be nice. You know, you got to be nice. Uh, so he's he's playing by the Dalton rules. Um, and I love this montage that we get into here. Uh, it's the return of Jack. It's the return of Kate and Saeed and the arrival of Juliet. <laughs> and one of the things that I love about this montage, as opposed to some of the other montages we've gotten in the past is how it is like very much rooted in one character. Like you mm, get yeah. all these snapshots of so many different people, like you know Jack reuniting with the Gawkers. They seem to be really psyched. Oh God, thank you, the Doctor. Oh my God, oh, we don't know what the hell's been going oh, on. The sky turned purple, and nobody's talking about it. Then two people died. Oh, so much has happened. Um, but what I what I love is that it is so grounded in Sawyer's POV. Oh, uh, I, I, yeah, this Josh Holloway plays this so well. The hug with Kate in particular, you know. There's him like he sees Jack and then like he's like everyone's like rushing towards Jack and he's still just sort of in place like is Kate going to be there? And then he sees Kate and he like just breathes this huge sigh of relief. Um, just like the way that like he goes to Jack, he's the one who pulls Jack in from like handshake to hug. Yeah, he's, like, yeah come yeah. on. Like, yeah, like, hey, remember when I told you that you're my best friend? 
But it's even like Sawyer, who at this point is like has experienced some measure of growth and like some measure of like, all right, I can like stop the bullshit to a certain extent and I can just be like, it's good to see you, man. Like, I'm glad you're back. I'm glad you're okay. And thank you for everything. Like, that's his way of expressing that. And then like the the really like the the world, like the weight of the world off their shoulders reunion of Kate and Sawyer of like whether or not they are in love, love, love. They are at least (laughs) people who, who matter so much to each other and to be reunited with like sort of this feeling of like, yo, I'm sorry about all that shit. Like there's, there's that piece of it. And then for Sawyer, to be the guy who lays eyes on Juliet, knowing where they're going, and him being the one being like, what's she doing here? It's just a really powerful ending uh, to this montage. Well, yeah, and especially considering the role that Sawyer is going to play. I think I really like this montage uh, just from a pure standalone piece, as you said. I do think the meaning, it loses a bit of meaning considering that we had a, a similar beachside reunion, you know, about seven or so episodes ago when Kate and Sawyer came back to the camp from Hydra. So maybe if we had, like, gotten rid of one of them, like, if we made one of them not a slow motion montage, ideally, I guess the one when Kate and Sawyer come back alone, because I, I got a lot of meaning out of this, but it did make me remember, like, Wow, we really have had a lot of like slow motion beachside reunions in the past couple seasons. Yeah, it was it was nice to to have this moment. I I really liked it. I was I was thrilled that this is uh, that this was in the episode. I'd kind of forgotten it a little bit. Um, and even like there's just like a lot of great little moments of like Jack looking over and seeing the hug between Kate and Sawyer, and like immediately looking away, being like, oh. Hug. Yeah, I, I love um I love the big hug between Kate and Hurley, which are two mm-hmm. characters that have not interacted with each other in a very long time. Yeah, and Jack and Hurley is another good one. They haven't seen each other in forever. Uh so it's good. It's it's a it's a really nice uh really nice moment. I I love this next scene so much. So Juliet is sitting at the beach by herself and here he comes, the future man in charge of mm-hmm. the island, Hugo Hurley Reyes, just plopping down, being like, "Hey, so uh you're one of them, huh? And uh, he's like, she's like, yeah, I'm Juliet. He goes, cool. So I don't remember you from when they all like captured us and shocked us and put bags on our heads at the pier. And Juliet has the incredible line of, I had the day off. <laughs> Which is great. This is why Juliet is such a great character. Because even in these moments when she is cornered right now, she is in enemy line, behind enemy lines. She is still like delivering quippy, sarcastic responses, which will come out much more in droves in a later clip that I am very excited to, to get to. But I also love, I mean, I guess, I don't know whoever, maybe it was Sawyer, decided to send an envoy to sort of look after Juliet. But Hurley was a good choice because I think this is, great this, this is your cooler in a way, right? This, this is the guy, or I guess he warms you up in that he's he's the most friendly face to greet you he's disarming you know there's a there's a lot of reasons to to have um hurley be the guy here uh and one of the things that i that i love is when she calls him out on it. it's like they sent you over here to spy on me right and hurley's like yeah um but it's not like that that like we've seen this version of hurley before where like he's like freaked out or intimidated or whatever like he's he's I don't know if he's past that mm. necessarily, but like he's he's grown, and this is a moment of him being confident. And I yeah, think that well, we don't really we don't see Hurley like expressing here that like he is automatically out on Juliet. What he like then says like yeah, you know the last time one of you guys was here, it really didn't work out so well, and like that's like the Ethan piece, and he's like basically gesturing at Boone Hill. Um, yeah, and, and, then, and then I think that might be where part of his confidence comes from, right? Because like now, when th- when it comes to others walking into their camp, they're sort of at a one for one with being able to find them and dispatch of them. 
Yeah, I think that that's a piece of it, but I also feel like there is like I think a degree to to Hurley being like I'd I'd rather not see anyone die. It would be great if no one died. I, yeah, I, I'm starting to run out of things for my eulogies. You know, I'd really rather you not die. Uh, so like, if it means like I just have to like sit here and hang out with you, then then I'm good with that. Uh, and maybe at this point, like Hurley has already talked to Jack even. Uh, and yeah, Jack- and, and Hurley is someone who has always sort of had that trust in Jack yes. from the days where he was sort of his uh, his sidekick in the Tabula Rasa of it all. So I, I think that of all people to trust Jack, because as we'll see later on. Not a lot of people are trusting in Jack at this moment. I do think Hurley is someone who believes Jack at least fully because he's he's someone who, you know, we see we saw this with the Charlie stuff as well. Like he has his own outrageous story that he is likely to trust others that have similarly outrageous stories. So I, I think like we've just come a long way from the guy who's not so good around blood. Uh, mm-hmm. So just as we're sort of like, again, road yeah, mapping. Who, he, uh, yeah, he didn't even spell out Ethan's B-O-D-I-E no, is over no. there on the hill. Yeah. So I think just like as we're road mapping Hurley's uh, journey towards... Uh, being the new man in charge, I think this is this is a, a nice tiny little moment. Um, we get uh, as she's looking out to Boone Hill, where we're flashing back to a moment with the man who's buried at Boone Hill uh, as Juliet in the past uh, is uh, is is operating on someone with Ethan. She's coded. Is that what you say? I don't know. Chappelle's not here to talk me through the the TV hospital stuff, uh, as is his expertise. I think it's just scrubbed in. Maybe would be the proper term. I don't know. She's dead. She's dead, Juliet. Uh, and Goodwin is uh, trying to reassure Juliet in this one. Like, it's all right. It's not your yeah, fault. Yeah, because I, I, obviously, you know, there was the, the line a couple, uh, a little while ago. But, you know, we had a doctor. His name is Ethan. Uh, but I didn't realize that Goodwin, I guess, was on hand as well for like an extra pair of hands in the operating room. Yeah. Because uh, his, his story, and I don't know how much of it was true, was that he was a Peace Corps guy. So maybe he did see some some medical triage action, if that is indeed a true story. But I don't, I don't remember him... Uh, talking that much about being on the front lines no i think he's like a handyman i'm pretty sure i don't remember i mean again obviously like i can't be trusted with my goodwin recall uh but i think that he's like just sort of like a handyman i think he does like electrical stuff Uh, (laughs) maybe they were operating on an electrical body maybe it's a robot woman that they were doing (laughs) tests on her uh so juliet's very upset and she's gonna go off to uh to the rocks uh she's gonna go far away she's gonna go to the edge of the island go to the ocean uh, and she's going to get some company from the baggy pants man himself. Baggy Ben. Uh, baggy Ben is going to show up. Let's listen in on, on what he has to say. It was Sabine's choice to get pregnant. She knew she was taking a risk. I think it happens at conception. And if that's the case, there's nothing I can do about it, at least not here. I'm not sure I understand. The only way to see if I'm right is to take a woman off the island back to Miami. No, you're not taking anybody off the island. In that case, there's nothing more I can do. I know you put a lot of faith in me, Ben. And I'm sorry I couldn't help you. My sister's giving birth in three months. And I haven't even been able to call her. It's time for me to go home. Your sister won't be giving birth in three months, Julia. She'll be dead before then. Her cancer's back. 
together. Mikhail, I'm sorry I should have told you sooner. I just didn't see what good it would do. What good it would do? I could have gone home. I could have been with her. You still can. You can go home, Julia. Be with her in her final days. Or you can stay here and help me with our problem. Why would I stay? Because if you do, I will cure your sister's cancer. I'm supposed to take that on faith? You've been here for six months. You've done extensive workups on all of us. Have you seen even a trace of cancer? That's here. And being that you won't let me bring my sister here, I'm going to Jacob said more. he would take care of it himself. Unless, of course, you don't have faith in him. Every woman on this island needs you. If you choose to stay, I promise you, we will save Rachel's life. So we have a lot to get into with this one. I will say one of the reasons why I said at the beginning of this podcast that I feel like this flashback is not only Juliet-centric but Ben-centric is I feel like this might be the biggest indicator of Benjamin Linus's true colors in that how control and power hungry he is. Like there is something so interesting to me about him refusing to let her leave, refusing to let her take anyone off the island. And, you know, we obviously we get like a little smidge of maybe a little bit of a candle that he is holding for her, which will come out much more in the other woman in season four. But I have to imagine that maybe even some of the crush that he has on her is about like getting something he can't have in control. And so I do think through these Juliet scenes, it's also a really interesting character study into Benjamin Linus and how when he's faced with an obstacle of not having control over something, how he's going to handle that. Yeah. Um, I, so is this real? Is is did Rachel's cancer really come back? Because on the one hand, this feels like a classic Ben Linus manipulation, mm-hmm. and then on the other, and, and we know that like she obviously gives birth to Julian at some point, so like aspects of this are are not real, right? Um, but then on the other hand, Juliet sees the folder. She looks at the files. By looking at the files. She seems convinced that this is real. Well, um, um, let me let me answer that. And I, I I think this might be a bit of like, uh, you know, put your goggles on. Let's sort of release reality from it. Apparently, according to Lostpedia, if you look at that EKG chart that Juliet is looking at, it refers to a 187 pound, 5 foot 11 male patient with heart trouble. Huh. So, okay. yeah. in a, maybe in a separate reality, <laughs> Juliet just didn't know what she was looking at. Ben just grabbed some random person's medical record and said, oh, nope, just look at it. Look at the numbers. She has cancer. It's very clear. Yeah. It's, it's, it's clear as day. And she's like, oh, no. So, um, yeah, Ben just scrolls cancer in Sharpie is, on top of it. This is a big piece of her expertise. So, yeah, uh, like, I don't want to take away from Juliet that she would... She would look at this closely, I feel like. I so I am of the belief that this is a this is a con by okay. Ben Lyons. I think it's something he can easily falsify. Like I don't know how Mikhail specifically would be able to get medical records, you know, unless they use the Dharma fax machine. Uh I think that maybe at this point he is seeing her crumble a bit in the face of losing several patients. So he like sort of wants uh some sort of sort of uh carrot or stick to keep her moving along. I think really the smoking gun here is his promise that Jacob himself will cure her cancer. This sounds like a ploy of desperation, in my opinion, because what we know 
from Ben. And the reason why Ben is going to end up killing Jacob is because Ben has sort of been a man who has done a bunch of things for Jacob, but has not really received a lot of signs outright, you know, whispers in his ear as to why he's supposed to do it and what exactly he should be doing. He's more so taking the signs uh, at his own value. And so I definitely think this has been really trying to make Juliet commit to staying on the island by saying like, oh, yeah, your sister has cancer. And so when Juliet provides the counter of, OK, let me leave so I can see her, he says, no, 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 don't worry about it. Uh, Jacob. Yes, Jacob, he can touch people and they will not uh, die from falling eight stories. He will cure your sister's cancer. Don't you worry. And then he sort right. of you know, worries about the rest later on. And I mean, it's not impossible that Jacob would do this. He certainly could do this. I just, I don't know. I don't know if Jacob would want to. Well, you that's, know? A, you know that's, a, that's a totally separate thing. But like Jacob, could he do this? Yes, he has the ability to do it. He has made Richard Alpert effectively immortal. Um, he you know arguably like brings john Locke back to life after he's fallen outside Mm -hmm. of the eight-story window he taps him on the shoulder and maybe that's enough to like keep john from dying at least um he's gonna go to ilana uh and she's gonna be like the full body like take take that fan bandage off ilana i have something for you to do you know so like we we've seen we've seen that we have enough proof that jacob uh, has these abilities. We, yeah, I we mean, he, he could. The question is, would. But we also know that Jacob leaves the island sometimes. Uh, he has, you know, for whatever reason, however he does it, he leaves the island. I think that we also have reason to believe that he keeps in touch with Richard Alpert. <laughs> and Richard Alpert obviously hangs out with Ben. Uh, and he views Richard Alpert as a consigliere, right? right. Like, he, like, I can't talk to these people or I don't want to talk to these people, but I'll talk to you, Richard. And then you could talk to them for me. So, like, I think that the existence of Ben Linus isn't, like, a blind spot for Jacob. I think uh, Richard Alpert and Jacob, whether they have, like, uh, a weekly <laughs> on the calendar. Yeah, yeah, I don't think they have a weekly one-on-one. Like, hey, come you to know? the cabin, talk to that chair. Do they text each other? It's like, you know, like, 4 p.m. on a Wednesday rolls around. It's like, hey, Richard, any updates this week or do you want to skip? It's like, yeah, there's not really yeah, much like, last this is week. a meeting that definitely could be an email. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, like, how's that going? Um, so, like, I feel like Richard is coming back to Jacob and, like, saying, like, so here's what's up in New Otherton. Uh, this is going on. This is going on. Oh, by the way, Ben did say to Juliet, like, <laughs> uh, he was, he, if she stays on the island, he'll cure her cancer. Obviously, like, well, you know, he, he said he's, he, he can't speak for you, but he did say that. And, and Jacob was like, oh, interesting. Uh, or, you know, I mean, I don't mind. I was, I was going to leave the island soon anyway. Mm, uh, yeah, I'll, I don't know. I'll just go ahead and do it. Why not? For, for uh, me, it's a matter of, Throughout this episode, not once does Ben live up to a promise that he sure, that he made yeah. Julia, and so it makes me feel like, why is this one different? Correct. I think that the the biggest issue for me is like I imagine that Juliet, who is a fertility doctor who is specializing in um uh in ovarian cancer and uh, getting her sister pregnant during that period of her life, that I feel like she would she would. I feel like she would know if it was a five eleven man that she yeah. was the chart that she was reading. So I just want I want to give her a little more credit than this. I guess. Oh yeah, on the late, let me just say like it's a joke. I, I I do not necessarily think that she misread the chart and then automatically assumed that Ben was right. I just think it was a fun note of we make fun of this with law sometimes of like they're trying to talk about Australia but they're right. not Australian. They try to clearly there was not a medical consultant on the staff. They would go to the props person and be like, this is not the right chart. 
Right, right. So I, I think that that's interesting. So I, I just don't know. Is it a con or or is it real? I guess I, I don't have a great answer. I would love to get people's take on this. Uh, we can we could talk about it more as we as we dig into feedback. One thing that I'll say here, Mike, is I think that one of the strikes against this episode for me is as we're talking about like characters at a remove. Um, there's a certain degree to which Juliet as a character doesn't fully make sense to me. Mm. Um, And that is like the more included in the group she becomes, the more integrated into the group she becomes to the point that she and Sawyer embark on a three-year relationship with each other, um, the less probable it is to me that she doesn't like tell them literally everything she knows. Um, And I, I feel like there are aspects to this episode where, so she knows who Jacob is, right? Right. Uh, at least Ben has probably name checked her at this point because it's been. You know, what, she, he said it's been six months since she arrived on the island, and and uh, he says like, "Do you, uh, Jacob will cure her cancer if you don't trust me? Don't you trust him?" Um, and then like later on, Sawyer's going to find out what a Jacob is and act really surprised. You know, so yeah. like at some point, if Juliet knew what a Jacob was, didn't she articulate that to James? Um, and I and I think like that's sort of uh, a way of saying like. There are aspects of this flashback where I feel like we are missing crucial information about the experience of being an other that I think could have been really compelling. Right. So, like, in terms of level of security clearance, what are you in the know of? Because as we like the the Hydra arc seemed to make us believe that Juliet was really like Ben's number one. Right. And And so and and so to to think about, like, what does she know? And then from that, what do you think she would tell 815? It's, It's a weird series of dots to connect. Well, there's there's that and also that, like, I get that this episode is trying to tell, uh, like, trying to find this emotional through line for, for Juliet and how, like, life here actually has been rather unpleasant for Right, her. and then so it connects to Jack's statement of her, why she reacted so much when the sun right. was blowing up. And I think that that's great, and I think that that's fine, but I feel like also, like, when we're getting statements like, if you don't believe me, don't you believe Jacob at least— um, there's just like something missing there, or or even like the mention of Mikhail, right? Like she knows that there are ways to communicate with people off the island. You would think she would try to go for that at some point. There's just yeah, there there are some there are some pieces of the Jenga tower that are missing, but the Jenga tower hasn't fallen. It's just like no. these are like places where it's like a little precarious for me. Right? These uh, aren't plot holes. These are like little plot sort of divots. Of, okay. they're like plot, they, they're, I think maybe they're plot holes to a certain extent, but I don't think that they are big enough to cause the tower to fall. Exactly. Yeah, this uh, is well, I mean, we'll get into some of that actually later on as to whether or not these are lies or straight up plot holes. But yeah, it's it's a weird again, it's, it's a weird sort of through line. It's fine emotionally, as you mentioned, there certainly is that feeling of entrapment from her. But I think from a logical perspective and what she knows and what she carries forward when she officially becomes a part of 815, either she is still withholding AF to what's going on, or for some reason she maybe she, I don't know maybe she got uh, sent to room twenty three in between seasons and forgot some stuff. Uh, well, she's certainly not going to become part of eight one five just yet, as we are going to. It's a nighttime rendezvous with the eight one five crew, and they got questions about this whole thing. Trust her? She's one of them. Exactly. Not anymore. Yeah. I left her behind. Oh yeah, where'd they go? I told you. I don't know. Maybe we better ask her. She doesn't know either. Well, here's a wacky idea. Let's stick a resident Iraqi on her. Let him do what he does and see what she says. No, I don't do that anymore. Well, ain't that convenient. But I don't trust the Jack. If she's so innocent, why won't hey. she answer our questions? Let's give her some time. She's afraid. How much time? 
Look, the fact that I trust her should be enough. It's not. Where did Locke go? Went with them. Right after he destroyed the sub. The sub that was going to take me off this island. What? They were going to let you go? Yeah. Said who? Ben. Ben. Whose life you saved? Sawyer. Lay off. Should have let that bug-eyed bastard die. Yeah, well, he did it for us. Sounds like he did it for him. James. Something you want to ask me, Sawyer? Yeah, Jack. I want to ask you why you're fighting every single one of us and sticking up for one of them. Look, I spent every moment over there trying to find a way off this Clint. island. I was trying to help all of us. Trying to get us rescued. Uh, well, R.I.P. the bro hug between Sawyer and Jack. That did not last very long. It was, it was short-lived. It was short-lived. I'm glad they had a moment. You know, <laughs> before Sawyer's like, you selfish SOB. Yeah. And like, I don't think necessarily wrongly. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know. That- he he's doesn't. I don't think, you know, Jack was sort of un- trying to explain himself. But I do think, again, Sawyer projecting himself or being like, what would I do in that situation? He still is sort of Mr. Everyman for himself. So I could understand why he would jump to conclusions. I one little. I also mi- think he's like been empowered as a leader. Yeah. You know, and like is is not just being selfish in this uh, this thought of like why are we bringing one of them into the camp, especially like one of them who I have seen kill a human being and hold a gun to Kate and definitely was going to kill Kate. Like that was his assessment of her. Um, And like, why would I bring that person into this group of people? Not just like this would be dangerous for me, but this would be dangerous for the people, for the group. Um, I think that there's like for him, like he, I think that he is now in a place where he is, if he's been like, if Hurley has ID'd him as like a leader type and Jack has been gone for all of this time, maybe there's a part of Sawyer that's like, this is not like, this is not the time for Jack to come back and assert himself the way that he used to. Um, he's not thinking clearly. I'm thinking clearly. I've got these people's best mm. interests at heart. There is a missing piece of this that also kind of brings down the episode a bit for me is I feel like we needed a reaction from everybody of Locke joining the others. Because right. granted, Locke was not necessarily a, a out-and-about leader, but he was the one who came back in episode three and made this big speech about yes. how he was going to get Jack back. Like, Correct. I think it's pretty big news to hear that not only is not Locke not here, not only has he joined the others, but he blew up the sub that could have right. led to people leaving the island. I feel like that needs a big reaction. Yeah. It's like, uh, I don't ask what happened to John Locke. I just make my salad and move on. Yeah, exactly. Or you know, I mean, he's gone maybe, the way of the purple sky. Though I guess maybe it doesn't help that you know Claire sort of interrupts the group meeting here. Luckily for Jack's sake, because it was sort of like an all-on-one situation by starting to bleed from the mouth and the nose, time travel style. Okay, so she's bleeding from the mouth and the nose. Juliet's watching it from a distance, being like, "Hey, what's going on?" And the Quans are like, "Why do you care?" Which is a great moment. I love yeah. that. Uh, Jin through his son being like, "What do you?" What and do you and do? Juliet's like, uh, "Let's put a pin on this for when I uh, officially confirm to you who the father is." A couple of episodes. From Gonna now. have to talk to you about that in a little while um but she goes to kate she's like hey go get jack i know what's up with claire it's my fault <laughs> uh obviously this is all a bit of a ruse it's part mm. of a con it's yeah just a, it's just a joke yeah well uh, this implant thing is so i don't know it's tough to talk about like what are the limits of reality as richard said you know impossible things can happen on the island but I feel like even by island standards, I don't know in 2007 if you can create an implant that, when triggered, can make someone automatically sick. It's dumb. I don't love it. Um, and also, like, the fact that... So, like, the next scene we get is, like, Jack and Juliet and Kate talking about all of this. 
and Juliet being like, yeah, I got, you know, here's the problems. People can't get pregnant on the island. Yeah, Something and, and Juliet claims like, oh, it's a latent reaction to a medication in her bloodstream. Like, how latent? It's yeah, been I weeks. Ma- <laughs> I made this serum. Uh, and so, like, she's having this bad reaction. That she's in withdrawal from the serum that I created. And there's some vaccine in the jungle, and I can go get yeah, it. Yeah, like, and I think he says, uh, the, the mother's body turns on the baby like it's a foreign object, which is, you know, not too dissimilar from Juliet's own position right now in the camp. And so Jack is like, okay. You know, like, his reaction is like, cool. All right, go get the thing. Uh, and so, like, what I don't love about it is, like, this getting one over on, on Dr. Jack here feels strange. Um, but also, like, the implant that we're triggering, like, did they really think to do that? Like, is this like, I don't know, this is like, um, <laughs> this is like back in the territory of like, we injected a bomb into Sawyer's heart. Yeah. You know, so could they have actually done that? Maybe they really did know, inject yeah. a bomb in Sawyer's heart. Yeah, I mean, it is sort of like a weird, <laughs> like not even Bond villain. This feels more like Dr. Evil, right? It feels more like, more like parody. Uh, but of course, we get some, some fan, fan, fantastic in-episode flashbacks where we're reminded of what Ethan did, including... Don't you forget about those maternity leave noises. I was so happy. I'm like, okay, we're getting through maternity leave. We don't have to hear the stupid noises. Then I heard the the scream and the honking noise, and I was just brought right back to my annoyance with it. Yeah, so uh, that's... We, we get some, you know, return of Ethan and some flashes to that, and this is Juliet's yeah, whole and, thing. Yeah, and this is Juliet. I mean, I know, again, we're, we're supposed to trust her with a grain of salt, but I think she does confirm here what we saw in maternity leave, which is that Ethan did indeed go rogue in kidnapping Claire. Yeah, he improvised. Yeah, exactly. And as as we see, I think Ethan's not great at yes and. No. He's going to be not. Michael Scott and like pull out a gun or a needle uh, in so, the middle of a scene. So Jack's going to be like, all right, go get the thing. And Kate's like, really? And <laughs> Sawyer and Saeed from a distance are also like, are you kidding? Yeah, and the, the Sawyer and Saeed is an interesting thing, right? Because, uh, you know, the, the line that we heard in the previous clip is a bit of a callback to Confidence Man. And yeah, this is really one of the, the first times outside of the conversation that we saw between uh, the two of them in, in season one as to, like, these strange bedfellows coming together. The two guys that were brawling in the sand in the first couple days are now sort of seeing on to eye to eye on one issue. Yeah, uh, there's always these moments where, like, it like Jack is not listening to Saeed and basically like whether it's Locke or now Sawyer being like, why aren't you listening to Saeed? Saeed's the smartest one here. Why aren't we listening to him more? Uh, so I, I think that this is, again, an evolution for Sawyer being like, yeah, this is a moment where we want Saeed for sure. Uh, this is like this is not a moment where you sideline Saeed. Saeed should be involved in all of this. Uh, so I, I like that from, from Sawyer. Um, all right, before we continue, let's take a quick break. Uh, we'll take a quick break. We'll be right back to talk about the rest of one of us. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. This episode is made possible by PWC. When unprecedented times are all the time, it's time to start walking the talk. Leaders like you turn to PwC to see and stay ahead. Upskill your workforce, use intelligent automation, and transform big ideas into breakthrough outcomes. Explore the human-led, tech-powered solutions that help you thrive. 
It's all part of the new equation. Learn more at thenewequation.com. All right, so let's get back mm, into uh, during, it. During my break, I had a nice Tupperware of ice cream. <laughs> you sure it wasn't oatmeal with hot fudge sauce? Oh, no, I have to ask it. Where are you? What where? are you right now? <laughs> where are you? So, all right, flashback. Ice cream Sunday party in bed. Uh, with Juliet and Goodwin. These are things that happen elsewhere. Oh, yeah, luckily, on the s- stupid Harper's not around. Harper's not here yet. I cannot wait uh, to talk about that. Actually, I can. <laughs> uh, and so, Goodwin, who's uh, very, very suave, Goodwin. Yeah, he's gonna he, bake. He's gonna bake a cake. Maybe he I'm made that ice cream by hand. Yeah, it's possible. What if he's a chef? I could honestly, Goodwin could be the, the handyman in the aspect of like he's a Renaissance man. In which yeah. case, really bad move for Ben to send one of like the island's only surgeons and maybe like the best all around player out just to spite yeah. Juliet. That's like voting out Jonas at the merge. Exactly. Uh, oh, hopefully she's not. Eating, hopefully she's eating dirt. Hopefully not yeah. the other option. So you're, you're not gonna you're not gonna keep eating the good stuff. So uh, he's out of there. Uh, and meanwhile, Juliet is looking at these X-rays that she got from uh, Carl. From Carl, <laughs> look at I, so, uh, so was Carl like not the problem child at this he point? Was like, he was like Peter Parker uh, taking photos for the for the get me paper. pictures of Ben's spine. Yeah, yeah. Maybe Jay Carl's Juliet Jameson of the island. <laughs> uh, Jay Juliet Jameson. Uh, so she's got these X-rays. And she's going to go over to Ben's house and be like, hey, I want to talk to you about these x-rays I've just developed. Hi. Can I come in? Of course. I was just finishing, Carrie. Still don't know why you picked it, but boy, is it depressing. You have a tumor. What? When you told me about your back pain, I said that I would take some x-rays to see if it was a small fracture or a herniated disc. That's not your problem. Your problem is a large tumor surrounding your L4 vertebrae. You're surprised. Well, you just told me that I have cancer, Juliet. Of course I'm surprised. No, I told you that you had a tumor. Why are you scared? I'm not scared. Why are you scared, Ben? You said no one on this island ever had cancer. You told me that. I know what I told you, You told Julia. me you could fix it. You said that. You said that you cured my sister. You lied to me. No, I did not lie to if you. If you can cure cancer, Ben, then why do you have it? I don't know. I want to talk to her. I want to talk to Rachel. I want to talk to her now. It's not going to happen, Juliet, but I can promise you that Rachel is fine. You never cured her. I did. You're a liar. No, Juliet. You lied to me. I told you the truth. I gave you my word. I want to go home. I want to go home, Ben. Please. Can't you please just let me go home? No. 
Elizabeth Mitchell. She's so good. She this is um, this is an incredible. I mean, this is my favorite scene of the episode, and maybe it's just because of the extremities with which we see Juliet. First, the raw fury with which she comes after Ben when she yeets that glass across the room. Josh she knocks it, and just that 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 killer line of like, uh, you know, why why do you have cancer, Ben? Uh, you just like you know, if you can cure ben, cancer, Ben. Then I didn't why do you say have you have cancer, Ben. I said you have a tumor. Exactly. I'm just doing an Arnold quote. I, mean, I know you were born on this island, but then when it turns from anger and frustration to her breaking down in his arms, like it is such just a, a snap of a moment, and then to see her crumble on the counter as Ben refuses to grant her request. I mean, this is literally something out of like a kitchen sink drama, quite literally. And I think Elizabeth Mitchell just kills it in the scene um interestingly i think my favorite scene of the episode is the one that's coming up right after this uh which is another incredible juliet scene as we leave the flashback uh and we leave the revelation that ben has the tumor on his spine and juliet reaches the 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 drop box uh <laughs> yeah she has the password to the drop box I, yeah. I'm, just, I'm surprised why she waited until the morning to do so maybe she wanted the light if you notice actually the mark on the tree is not too dissimilar from like the weird little uh star that she got on her back as well so she goes there and uh here comes uh here comes sherlock and and Hol- uh, holmes and watson <laughs> sherlock sherlock and holmes. And holmes. <laughs> he's he's divided himself in half uh it's sherlock and watson holmes and watson show up and they've got some questions for Juliet, and Juliet's got some sass prepared in response. Step away from the case. Listen to me, Said. Step back. It's full of medical supplies. It's there for Claire. Jack knows all about it. Jack ain't here right now, is he? I'm telling you the truth. You said earlier, if you told me everything you knew... I'd kill you. I'm going to test the validity of that statement. He means talk. We don't have time for this. We cleared our schedules. We got all the time in the world. You know what's interesting? That you two are now the camp's moral police. I'm curious. Saeed... How long was it before you told everyone on that beach exactly how many people you've tortured in your life? Do they know about Basra? And I'm sure the first thing you did when you got here, James, was to gather everyone in a circle and tell them about the man you shot in cold blood the night before you got on the plane. So why don't we just skip the part where you two pretend to be righteous? I'm taking that medication back to Claire. And you're going to let me. Because if she doesn't get it, she's going to die. And the last thing that either of you need right now is more blood on your hands. Yes. 
Yes, that is exactly what I was about to say. And I'm so glad you had it ready. Wow, you just got burked. Oh snap! Yeah, this is I. I rarely have like because it's a show that we've watched so many times. I, I rarely have like visceral reactions to some moments. But I don't know if this is a scene that I forgot about. But like my notes just say in all caps. Yes, Juliet, drag yes, them. Yes, get them. Get them. Uh, she reads them for Phil. Oh, it's so good. And look, so look, is this completely factual? Maybe not necessarily, because if you look at the Sawyer timeline, he was not <laughs> I love killing. That you had that ready. He didn't. Uh. He, he did not kill Frank Duckett the night before eight one five. He was in jail for getting in a row with the uh, the minister of agriculture. But still, I mean, Juliet's knowledge that he did kill a guy. I think she can sort of fudge the timeline a bit. A uh, hot fudge the timeline. Uh, I think it's a little bit of continuity gaff. That's fine. Yeah, it's, it goes the way of the five eleven man with the with the with the cancer report. Yeah, and then you know, as uh, as Richard says, time passes a different way on the island. So maybe she just she has the day screwed up. But yeah, I mean, this is like I just love it. I mean, I she really is putting the shoe on the other foot here. Of like, okay, you guys are fine for interrogating me, but please don't call your don't put yourselves on a high horse right now because you guys are wallowing in the mud just like I was last episode. But if you do need a high horse, there's one running around the jungle somewhere, <laughs> though it may be the smoke monster. Yeah, Hard that, to know. Yeah, your high horse, Freckles. Uh, uh, I, I love Juliet just, like, flexing here. You know, when Juliet has these moments of, like, you guys don't know anything about me, but I know so much about you. Saeed, I know stuff from your past that the audience is never even yeah. going to see. And, uh, so apparently, so Basra, I think... In 1991, by my research, was uh, a place where there was an apparent, like, major revolt against Saddam Hussein. So that might be what she's referring to. Whereas a member of the Republican Guard, I can imagine that Saeed probably had to do a lot of dirty things to quell that revolution on that day. It feels like it's in there in case, like, they're, you know, they're setting up something if they're going to do more flashbacks at some point. Like, right. if they lose the war, the writers of uh, ending the show, they're like, all right, well, we've set up a new Saeed thing. Um, I'm not mad that we never get to see it. I think no. This fine. can this can be the Tampa job of Saeed. Sure, that's great. I'm fine with that. Speaking, um, actually, speaking of the Tampa job, I, I'm going to sort of throw this other nugget in here. Josh, did you know that the original title of this episode was not one of us? What was it originally? So originally, back when this was being formulated, this was actually supposed to be a Charlie centric episode called "The Truth About Lying," mm. which is a janky title. So I'm much happier that we found this and the Juliet Center, but. Yeah, I can't really imagine, like, a Charlie-centric episode outside of Greatest Hits in Season 3. I, I don't, you know, get, considering how uh, the last Charlie-centric episode with an other coming to town worked Ugh. out, feels like it could be bad for Juliet. Yeah, uh, exactly. So luckily, he, did, she didn't end up on Boone Hill like he did. Yeah, very luckily. Uh, so I also love to imagine that speaking of like Juliet and Sawyer's like future pillow talk and like revealing to each other, like all of the stuff about each other, I love to imagine that they like relitigate this moment and Juliet's like, oh yeah. So all of that was bullshit, by the way. I had Claire, we put an implant in Claire. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, you did what? <laughs> so so like, I was yeah. right. Yeah. She was fine. She's like, I, so I knew it. Yeah, oh, yeah, man. but it was so great to watch your face when I just read you like a book, James yeah. Ford. It's also yeah. interesting, so she does refer to him as James here. I totally forgot about it, but in the group meeting clip, did you notice that Kate calls Sawyer James in front of everybody? 
Yeah, I think at this point, it's like, fine, everyone knows my name's James. Also, I guess everyone else is adopting the no nickname rule. Yeah, I, su- I suppose so. And maybe Solidarity, he- yeah. Maybe there's a missing pieces where Sawyer has to make a name tag that says, hello, my name is James Ford, that he has to wear around everywhere now. So I just, I, lo- I love that Oh, scene. it's so good. Very, it's very so much. Well, because it's a fun thing as well of like, I think certainly we can we can get on characters for their hypocrisy and sometimes of like, you're chastising this person when in the past you've done this, and Juliet is vocalizing that frustration. Um, so now we go into a scene that I don't love that much. Uh, so we relitigate the the downtown montage of Oceanic Eight One Five. So literally, crashing. literally, it's a, mon- a montage to downtown. Exactly, and so like it's it's happening, and like the plane breaks up, and we get like you know we go through this all again. Yeah, and we we, um, we literally see like the first scene in the premiere. Now a little bit of a tag. As Ben's like, hey, Juliet, hold up for a second. That is that is the you know, so I, I you know, it's fine. Like we've done this before where we see things again. I'm I'm you know, I can't be too mad about that. What what annoys me is we go from so I guess I'm out of the book club to then Ben just being like, Hey Juliet, I, I want to talk to you about something. It's totally unrelated to all of this. <laughs> it's like, really? This is like you don't think that this is something that railroads your your plans for the day a little bit? Yeah, like like, like this I is this, the, like, the talking point is about a thousand feet above you right now. You know, it makes sense that he's going to go to Mikhail to like start getting like uh, some intel on the eight one fivers, but the fact that like he's going to carry through with whatever this plot was for Juliet and instead wasn't like, hey, uh, not only that he wasn't like. Richard Albert stand down. We'll do this tomorrow. Right. Uh, not even just that. But that he even is still thinking about this, yeah, exactly. is, it's, is very strange. Or, or that he had the idea in his head and he decided not to move the timeline. Exactly. To your point, like I, I exactly. think it's a little awkward, and I think they want to bring in. I mean, I think the reason why this happens on this day is so that Ben can have the last line in the clip we're about to play, which is, "Oh well, who knows? Maybe a mother's on that plane." But right. I agree that like this, the, the 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 timing of it is awkward as all get out. Uh, so I don't love that. Um, anyway, so they go to Mikhail's place, and there's some. I like some, I like some Mikhail sass of "Don't shoot us." Well, hurry up then. Then hurry up. Yeah. So they go to Mikhail's, and uh, Mikhail has some has some stuff to show both Ben and Juliet. Can we uplink to Richard and Acadia Park, please? Yesterday you called me a liar. I was hurt by that. Hello, Richard. Can you hear me? Notice today's date. This is live. Okay, Richard. A little over two years ago, to everyone's surprise, Rachel's cancer went into complete remission. Shortly after, she gave birth to a healthy baby boy. His name is Julian. Okay, thank you, Richard. You want to get back here as soon as you can. We may have some new visitors. I'm not a liar, Juliet. 
I want to go home. That's not our agreement. You need to stay here until your work is finished. It's impossible. The mothers keep dying. Then we'll find more mothers. Who knows? Maybe there's even one on that plane. Elizabeth Mitchell makes my heart melt in the in this. She's so good, P- particularly her reaction when the screen turns off, like her desperation, like yeah, almost no, clutching don't turn to it. it. Off. I was watching that. Also, I guess Ben better be offering Richard Albert like something good because this dude has to be candid camera sitting sketchily in a park waiting for Ben to give the signal so he could film this woman and her child from afar. Eh, it's different, you know. And this is a guy who's been alive for a long time, so maybe he just appreciates a different assignment. <laughs> is that like oh i'm not giving pitches and throwing people in front of buses all right i guess i can i can this fill is people fine in the park i can do this i can i could do some uh yeah some uh some some light voyeurism for the yeah. day and time. so this so this is why i think that ben was lying the entire time it's, i think it's particularly the line of like you know you call me a liar that hurt me it just feels like it's almost like the lady doth protest too much of like see mm-hmm. i told you i'm not a liar like it's almost show and don't tell i guess in this case it's show and tell but yeah, I mean, it's it's obviously a very powerful scene for Juliet. But then, of course, Ben snaps back from, like, this sort of warm gesture to be like, oh, by the way, no, you still can't leave until your mission's done. Right, right, right. Um, So I, again, uh, open to hearing the arguments for and against it being a con. Um, But it, there's no argument against this being just, like, a really great Elizabeth Mitchell scene. Uh, just a, a really lovely performance from her. And I, I understand that this is like the through line of the episode is like Juliet's time as an other is awful. Yeah. Uh, and she's been willing to do the others beck and call. She, she essentially has been, uh, been put a football in front of her many, many times yeah. only for Ben to constantly take it away from her as she goes to kick it. And I, and I get that like she has been in this way for a while uh, and that she is willing to, 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 you know, work within the system that she exists that she's going to do the things that the others need her to do so that she can get back to um to to her sister. And, right. And so it means so, like, to an end. Yeah. And so like that's all well and good. And like so the you know, the final flashback that we'll get of the episode, which we'll talk about in a bit, like that all works for me within within that prism because that's also taking the context of everything we've seen her do on Lost up to this point. Um, you know, come up with the plan to to kill Ben. Like there was the desperation there. If she can take control over the others, then maybe she can, uh, you know, situate herself so that she can leave the island. You know, we've seen her kill Pickett. So like yep. we've seen her do a lot. We've seen Sawyer's assessment of Juliet that she would have been willing to kill Kate. But I think that that is maybe a piece of the flashbacks that I am missing is that side of Juliet. Mm. But I think we're we're getting like really basically none of that. Um, like we're getting basically none of the Juliet who would be uh, who would draw a gun on Kate in front of Sawyer and would have killed her no questions asked in Sawyer's estimation. Mm. I just don't see that character in the flashback. Right. Well, I think it's more so to see her sort of get conditioned into that final person. But to your point, I wonder if and maybe the final scene is supposed to function as this where we see almost like the hardened Juliet that we see in that Hydra arc of like, here's someone who is a bit of a badass is playing hardball with Jack. Maybe there should have been another flashback scene of like when Ben tells Juliet that they're going to capture Jack or something, you know, we got got a little bit of that in expose, but I wonder if there's something there of to your point, maybe she sees an opportunity and we sort of get that internalization or we get at least one more glimpse of how the Juliet of this most recent scene became the Juliet that we see at the end of the episode. Maybe there's almost too much like mental math to put together there to, to really see that seamless transition. 
All right, so back at the beach, Juliet comes in. She's got the 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 pelican case in hand, mm-hmm. uh, filled with all the vaccine stuff. And Jack and Charlie's about like, to "Oh yeah, I took those it. back in the day." And Charlie's like, "Oh, old friends." Uh, no, Char- Charlie. To his credit, in this episode, I love Charlie. In this episode, Char- Charlie's a very supportive partner here. He's great. He's very even keel. He is a very supportive partner. And he's, in he's, this he's, and he's uh, like he's understandably mistrusting. But when Jack pulls the Aladdin and says, "Do you trust me?" Charlie then backs off. You know, he's not yeah. like a Sawyer and Said and says, "Like, well, clearly you're wrong. Let me keep pushing." <laughs> He doesn't know what's up with Juliet, but Jack has given this is you know Jack has given Charlie a lot of rope. Uh, oh. You know, <laughs> you know he has though. Like he's given Charlie these moments of like, I do value you, I do trust you, I don't think you're worthless. You saved me from the cave, right? And, I, the and, I, and I hope God. that you would give me that in return. Yeah. So I and and I appreciate that Charlie is exhibiting the growth here of being like, yeah. If Jack is saying that this is the thing to do. I'm going to back out of the way. I'm going to stop trying to like control the situation and I'm going to let this go. Uh, and maybe he's also feeling decent about the fact that like Desmond hasn't come to warn him yeah. <laughs> about Charlie, anything. Charlie, no, so, you like, don't understand. You take the vaccine or t- the vaccine yeah. turns Claire into a polar bear and she eats you. She eats you, Charlie. So I, I love Charlie in this episode. Uh, and so Charlie's going to back off and Jack's going to say, hey, Juliet, this really like this has to be OK. Like if Claire doesn't recover uh, I can't help you. Know, you. Uh, and Juliet's like, listen, man, not only do I get it, but I'm already on my own. Yeah. I totally get that. Yeah, I have my eponine cap on. I'm ready to go. The, in yeah. the rain, the sand yeah. shines like silver. Yeah. Uh, just a little fall of rain can hardly hurt me. I, I will admit, uh, when uh, when Said asked Juliet who she was, I was waiting for her to belt 24601. Yeah. <laughs> no, those aren't the numbers. That's a different one. <laughs> 4850! Yeah, 4850, <laughs> uh, Yeah, the numbers are great. Uh, 24601. Um, so she's going she's gonna to administer the stuff, and Claire's going to be fine. And Charlie, who has just been like by Claire's bedside this whole time. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a little bit of like a human fence, right? Of a uh, little baby Aaron with his hand in Charlie's. A little human with his Sonic hand fence. In Claire's. Yeah. Human Sonic fence. <laughs> Uh, and Claire's like, hmm, that was a good nap. Charlie's like, you have no idea you how were, scared we you were. You were bleeding out of all orifices. All the orifices were bleeding. It was horrifying. Uh, so Charlie's level-headed and good, and Claire's like, what happened? Uh, so that's really sweet. It's cute. It all worked out. And now that it's worked out, Jack's got some great news for Juliet. Got a tarp, a couple of blankets, airline pillows. not much but i'll get you started there's a wake there's a, a lean-to that we've been using for shade and everyone says that it'd be all right if you set up camp there for now thank you they're good people and they're willing to give you the benefit of the doubt Eventually, they're going to need some answers. Why don't you keep talking about them? Why don't I ever have to explain myself to you? You were there. You were standing right next to me when that submarine exploded. In that moment, I saw it in your eyes. You want to get off this island more than anything else in the world. 
makes you one of us. So watching the Jim Fells video gave me a very much newfound appreciation for this scene because stop me if you've heard this before, Josh, Jack and a possible love interest who he has trust issues with are sitting on the beach together. Mm-hmm. Credit while credit yeah. is due is playing. And yep. he basically tells her, like, the past is the past. I'm looking at who you are now. It's a direct. Ross. Exactly. It's an exact callback. And while it does be a little bit eye rolling of like, great, this is, you know, fueling the whole love quadrangle thing. I love that yeah. echo because that's a great yeah. callback to just who Jack that is. And who, yeah, exactly. And who Jack always has been. Uh, this yeah. is someone who is going to naturally see the best in people so that even if he does get tricked by Juliet in this moment, it's understandable why just based on Jack giving people the benefit of the doubt usually. And you know what else? I think like um, to say that he's getting tricked by Juliet in this moment, like I guess to a certain extent, but he's not wrong. He's right. What he saw in her is authentic. She wants to leave very, 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 very badly. But I think that Juliet still in this moment believes that working with Ben and working with the others is her best way off the island. It's the path of least resistance. You know, she it's the devil she knows. She, you know, even if the submarine is gone, Ben probably is like, there's other ways to get off the island. Let's just do this one more thing and then you'll get to go. Um, and so she's going to, at least for now, she's still on board with that until she can no longer tolerate it. And mm-hmm. she's going to have a, an off-screen conversation with Jack where she cops to it, where she's like, Jack, there's like, you know, this is it's not something that we get on the show. But when Kate is going to come to Jack in a few episodes and be like, uh, Juliet's a mole and no one wants to talk to you about it because you guys are all lovey dovey and no one trusts you anymore. Jack, at this point already, Juliet has confessed to Jack like, yeah, there's this plan that Ben said, like, don't get mad. Mm -hmm. But I, you know, Ben did have this other plan and I can't go through with it because I just hate that guy so much. And Jack's like, cool. Thank you for telling me. Also, we can blow him up. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, so that, that is still coming. So it's not like he's been tricked yet. Juliet, I think, still in this moment, and what we'll, we'll see in this next scene, which we should play in a second, is that, like, she's on board with the Ben plan, but she doesn't like the Ben plan. She would rather not do this, but I think that she still feels like this is, like, she is, she's an abused woman. Yeah. You know, she's, th- she's this person who, as you said, has been, like, conditioned to, to tow the company line because this has been like just constantly like like Lucy and the football, the carrot mm-hmm. and the stick. Like this is how you get off the island is you work for the man. Um, and so she at this moment in time still is feeling like, all right, one last thing. But I think part of the stuff that's going to make it unpalatable for her is like Jack and a few of these other people like Sun like are going to show uh, like genuine like aspects of their humanity and empathy towards her. And she's going to find that she has more in common with them than she does with the people who she's spent the past three years with. Yeah, and so I wonder almost if this conversation helps us work towards that conclusion as yeah. well, right? If her so. being like, okay, now I, I see that Jack sympathizes with me, and assumingly the West of 815 does as well, and how much they are desperate and working towards getting off the island. I mean, she experienced that firsthand. Like, she, she and Jack were going to go on that sub together. And so this could be sort of her own walking down that path where, yes, while the episode does end with her ultimately taking up the mission to be the mole, uh, she, she is now sort of maybe now skewing towards that other side upon seeing how the other half lives and looking at, oh, wow, 
yeah, these people that we have made our enemies and tortured for the past some odd days are actually people I have more in common with than those that have been sort of kept me trapped here for the past three years. Yeah. All right. So we are going to uh, the end of the episode here as Juliet has all of the stuff to set up her, her camp in the shady spot, too. Of all, yeah. Those guys are so nice. Well, They're I think it's because Juliet was very shady to Sawyer and Saeed. Yeah, That's very maybe. proper. Yeah, this is the shady spot. This is where the shady people go. Uh, she's going to get the shady spot. She's setting up camp. There's a nice montage, and everybody's looking at her, and she's smiling at everybody, except we're cutting to things that happened in the very recent past that are nefarious. <laughs> Let's go over it again. I know what to do. Let's go over it again, just to be sure. I drag Austin out into the jungle, handcuff myself to her, then tell her I was gassed, just like she was. And if she catches you in the lie? I'll admit to it. Tell her it was the only way to earn her trust. Good. What then? They'll take me back to the beach. I know you want me to go there, but after everything we've done to them, it's going to be a problem. We've activated the implant in Claire. She should be symptomatic within the next 48 hours. By the time you get to that camp, you'll have a nice big crisis to solve. I'll need supplies. Price is already on his way. He'll hide the case at Ethan's old drop point. Tell Jack that you can save her. He trusts you. Are you all right? So, yeah, let's talk about this ending, because I know that, as I mentioned in the beginning, I know the great Brendan Fitzpatrick uh, doesn't love it. City Outright hates this ending. He, he, From his perspective, he feels like it's an unnecessary ending in that, you know, her, her place was always playing the middle ground in this episode as it was. We didn't need a final scene to necessarily nail home that while she made good bonds with Jack and saved Claire, that, you know, she is still an other at the end of the day. I wouldn't make the argument like I. I think this is a fine ending, even in the. Con- I think it's. I think it's really. Uh, I think it's funny. I think it's. I think it's playful. 
It's a little sinister. It starts a ticking time bomb for the rest of the season, right. I think which I the, think that, is that, very that, valuable. That's the most meaningful thing because I think at this yeah. point we knew that the others were leaving, but I don't. We don't know exactly what their plans were. I think we had to find out that their plans were going to be coming to the camp, and that's the reason why Juliet is with them. Uh, so I love that, and I. Um, I also I like the way that it syncs up to the score with her tying the knot. Mm-hmm. Um, like that's just really, really, really well done. And I think that it really embodies Juliet. Uh, Juliet is very much like Sawyer, complex. Uh, you know, she's somebody who she contains multitudes. She could be very upset about her sister and also shoot a guy. Uh, she can save Claire's life, but also be in on a plot. That caused Claire to be sick in the first place. Uh, she, you know, she's she's a liar because she needs to be in order to get out of here. Um, so I think that like it it totally fits within the Juliet character that like it's sort of this like morally dubious ending for this character who's still at this point is morally dubious. We have seen her uh, express like warmth and empathy and humanity and sorrow and all the things that make make a person a person. Uh, and be funny, all of these things. Uh, and yet we've also seen her just like go into Terminator mode. So like once again, like now you have to like reconcile Terminator mode here with everything else that you've seen about her in this episode. So it's sort of like this like scorpion and the frog type of moment. But it's also uh, like that's what it is on, on first blush. But like the deeper you think about where Juliet goes from here and who Juliet is ultimately, um, I think that you get this sense of like when she turns around and she ties the knot. She's thinking back on all of this. That like she's not thrilled that she's doing any of this. Mm-hmm. She's not loving this. She's not into any of it. Um, so I think it's like I think it's a good button for the episode that just reminds us of the complexity of Juliet. I think it sets things up for the rest of the season. I think it's well crafted. I think it's kind of funny and cheeky. Uh, I've got zero issue with it. I've I've never heard of anyone outright hating the the ending. So um, that's it's a it's a first for me. I I, I don't want to invalidate it. I've just I've, I don't really. Uh, see a, a major issue with the end of this episode. I mean, I think from I think at worst it's fine. You know, I think maybe you could say, well, because we know what ha- ultimately happens to Juliet, you know, it, it doesn't, it's not necessarily needed. But I think you made a lot of great points. And on top of, I think if you're more so looking for a nothing burger ending that really hits a thud with context given, I think give me you know a tale of two cities much more that falls into that criteria of oh my god his name is Ben lost right, right, this right, this right, right. has tension in it and not just through the the tying the knots and like you said it sets up the all too important point of okay we don't know what's happening with the others oh they're coming in a week well crap they're screwed right right so that's exciting and so you know when we have however many episodes that we're looking at here for the rest of the season, like uh, like six episodes, I think something like that uh, for the, for the remainder of season three, what, what we, we're on catch 22. Yeah. I think week, we're right? not six or seven left. Yeah. You know, so catch 22 DOC, the brig, the man the behind, behind the curtain. curtain, greatest hits. And then we're into the two part through the looking glass. So we've got six weeks of down the hatch left for season three past this point. It's an exciting thing to go into this final act with. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. Like, to, we, to like the others are coming. We, we spoke about this last week, but I feel like these two episodes particularly are so transitional and really setting up that end game. Like you said, of like, here's where everything stands. We still have 11th hour stuff. Like next week, we're going to get to Naomi. We haven't even mentioned the looking glass station yet, which is going to come into the picture. So there are still things, bridges that we need to cross. But we really sort of have our sights set as to, okay, what's the what's the plan for the others? Because this season is the other season. And so now that we know that, and now that we know that one of them is going to be in their midst, how is that going to inform 
how these interactions happen over the next six weeks, uh, at least in podcast time. I'm, I'm very excited by it all. And I, particularly, I think the ending, these last two scenes really invigorate what's to come. You know, this is sort of like, um, you know, if what's in the hatch and can the raft launch are sort of like the engines driving the season one finale, then we have activated one of the one of the implants. We have activated one of the engines uh, for the the final act of season three, which is like, what are the others planning? What is Juliet planning and what's coming to the beach in a week with the others? What does that mean? And then next week is going to start the process of uh, of getting another thing going, which is someone's coming to the island, mm-hmm. uh, that people are on their way. And so those are sort of the you know the twin motivators of of the final act of of season three. So I think it's I think it's important to have this here. I think for for the rest of what we get into, I think you, you kind of need this. So uh, I think it's yeah. If you're if you want to compare it to a tale of two cities, uh, not only is that ending with okay Ben. Uh, just sort of like whatever and a little soft. Um, I think that this is like both like very pointed and also really necessary. Like I think there are other ways that you could tell us that that dude's name is Ben. Yeah. Instead of like saving it for like a final, you know, beat of an episode. And sure, there's other ways of telling us that the others are coming. But I think that there isn't a much better way to tell us than to tell us through a Juliet episode where the episode is spent trying to get us invested in and believing in and trusting Juliet as somebody who really does want to leave. And all of that's still being valid and true yep. while her also still working with this crew of, of people who have terrorized our people from the jump. And hey, guess what? They're not done terrorizing us. They'll be here in a week. Also, not to mention the fact that it ends particularly in a Ben Juliet scene. And considering, you know, as the sounds have shown, this is an episode proliferated with Ben and Juliet scene. So I think ending that in particular and hearing straight from the horse's mouth with Ben, this is what I'm planning to do. That's how you know. In this case, he is not a liar. He is going to say, yeah, I'm coming back. And with force, I'm taking 815. Um, so let's get into some questions from the hatchlings. Here's Stefan Johnson. He says, why won't Ben let Juliet take pregnant women off the island. It makes no sense. They leave for three months. They come back with a new little other. I mean, it's, uh, Mike, why is Ben so opposed? Do you think it might be the way Ben was born? Do you think because his mother died in childbirth, he might have his own like weird trauma set in about women who who give birth off of the island? I mean, it certainly works out better there than it does here on the island. So I don't know. Uh, the thing that I was thinking was that he's just obsessed with Juliet and so doesn't want Juliet to leave. Yeah, I mean, like, I could like, see him... He's got her here. He doesn't want to risk her going. Yeah, again, I think going back to that scene at the rocks, it could just be seeds of desperation of him just trying to throw out as many lies and falsities as possible to be like, well, you can't do this because of this, and you can't do that because of that. So maybe he just then has to be like, oh, damn it, I, you know, I made my bet. I guess I now have to create a no pregnant woman can leave the island policy now that I put it out there. Um, a couple questions about Jack in this episode. First comes from Eric Divestein, who says, I find Jack so infuriating in this episode. I'm not saying he should let Saeed torture Juliet, but surely there's some middle ground between that and letting her completely off the hook from giving some answers. And then Fitzy adds, seriously, why would Jack send Juliet into the jungle to get the supplies without anybody else on night one, even if he did trust her? I do agree with Fitzy especially that I'm surprised he also didn't go with her. You know, Jack does seem the person. Let's go. Yeah, the, you know? seems like the person to sort of like 
also take action to his own hands. And I don't think it would, I don't think Juliet would be offended, but I think it's more so him being like, hey, I'll check out the medical supplies just to make sure what you're dealing with. And I don't know, do you think Juliet would have blanched the idea of Jack going with her to that drop off point? I don't think Jack would have gone. I think Jack, you know, Claire is in distress. He needs to stick around. You know, I guess that is true. He, he wants to be sort of the one on hand. And I guess, and, he, and I don't know who else he sends. Maybe Hurley. Hurley could be a good person, especially if Jack was the one to send Hurley to watch her. Kate would not work because I think Jack is feeling. That Does tension. he have this moment with Charlie where he says, "Go with Juliet. The best thing you can do for Claire right now is to go with Juliet. If you trust me, then I trust her. So you trust me. So you should trust her." Right, but I wonder um, if he feels like there's no way. Yeah, last time I left you alone with another. Yep, that's also true. So and also, great. I don't think yeah. I think Charlie's going to refuse to go. Like I think Charlie would refuse to leave Claire's side. Yeah, I think that that's right. Um, the great Ben behind the curtain asks, when did Juliet decide which side she's truly on? Has it already happened? I don't think so. I mean, to make a survivor comparison, Juliet at the end of season three is the person who makes her decision at tribal council. She's the yeah. one who's sort of flipping between two sides and I think is weighing the pros and cons. Because I think this is an opportunity where, again, I'll continue the survivor analogy. She has been part of an ironclad alliance where she is at the top, but she's not happy with the people that she's playing with. This new ragtag alliance forms an exciting new coalition and says, we want you to jump ship and work with us. The idea certainly excites her, but she has been working with this group for so long that it's not going to be an immediate decision. It has to be made while she's listening to everyone that night as the torches are burning. Yeah, I think that she is probably um, going to make this call after Sun. After DOC? Yeah, I think that's the. I think that's well. The yeah, I mean, maybe from like a, a metaphoric perspective, her job was done. She found a pregnant woman on the island, and now she can say like, "All right, now I'm officially not another anymore. I hang up my Night's Watch robe. My watch has ended. Now I'm part of eight one five. Right. So I, I think that that to me makes sense in terms of the timing. Um, let's do MVPs and LVPs, Mike. Uh, I've got three MVPs this week. You've got three LVPs. I think we'll probably both have the same first MVP that will go to Juliet Burke for me. Amen. I'll add another one on there. It's been, it's been a few few weeks since Juliet has gotten some MVP points, but very well deserved. Not only does she worm her way into the camp, albeit through maybe more nefarious needs, but I mean, again, I can shout Elizabeth Mitchell's acting accolades from the highest mountains in Hawaii, and this is proven in this episode. I think definitely her best performance so far on the show, and it's because she's just given so much to do, both flashback and mainline. Uh, so, yeah, all, all of that, I, I will echo that. In, in addition to that, she's, uh, yeah, she's, she's pulling one over on everybody. The fact that she gets the shady spot after all of this is fairly ridiculous. Uh, so, so good for her. Great Juliet episode for sure. Uh, I'll just tell you my next two MVPs because they are, uh, they are people who, uh, are often thought of in, in the same breath. One to Hurley, one to Charlie. Uh, Hurley for the growth that he is exhibiting in being the guy, the envoy, as you called him, to Juliet and taking that job on uh, and doing just a great job with that job. Impressed by Hurley this week. And Charlie, who I think really holds it together in this uh, in this otherwise, you know, this moment that should generate a lot of panic for him, uh, certainly historically with the way that Charlie has reacted to crises in the past. I think that Charlie holds it together. And also, we are at this point where, like, you know, Charlie's still in the red. Even with this, <laughs> Charlie is still in the red. I think uh, he is currently at, like, negative three? Okay. Maybe negative two? Well, we've got, we've got Catch-22 next week, which is a bit of a Charlie and Desmond episode. So he'll, yeah, get, so he'll, at, he'll get some because opportunities. Of this, 
So I'm boosting him from a negative three to a negative two right now. I, I don't want Charlie to end in the red. And um, I don't think that he will. Uh, and I'd like for him to like be significantly in the green if, if we can get there. Uh, we'll, we'll see if we're able to do it. Uh, but I think that it's a, it's a, it's a worthy Charlie episode uh, for, for showing some strength of character here. And I'm going to give my final MVP point. I'm going to give it to Richard Alpert. I, I don't know why. Because I was really thinking about like who should I give it to. But for some reason, I just really like that scene at the airport. By the way, uh, the name, I think it was called like Hararat Airport. Yeah. You know what it's an anagram of? No. Earhart. Hmm. Yeah. So maybe there maybe go. Amy Goodspeed once worked there once upon a time there you go. or, or a, there a relative you go. of hers. Uh, yeah, I think, I mean, his pitch does end up working here. I think while we uh, commend Juliet for being able to see through Sawyer and Saeed, I think he sees right through Juliet before she was able to do that to either one of them. Uh, and he eventually is able to get to make her, you know, take that final step into the submarine and, and go on the island. Uh, and he also is is helping to make her reconnect with her sister in a way. So I think Richard is sort of like a conduit this episode, but I'm, I'm going to give her he's two for two in Juliet episode so far in terms of my MVP points. The conduit. Um, <laughs> there's a bunch of uh, it's a it's a varied LVP bag this week yeah so i have three i'm gonna say i'm gonna give two right now i'm gonna do it to sawyer and saeed just because they get owned so badly so hard they get they get dunked on like, like, I, totally like I think you talk about like i think both have very good reasoning <laughs> yes. to do what they do but the fact but that they, they get dunked they on. get dunked on so hard <laughs> yeah so hard like they yeah. get treated for a burn that is so much more worse than whatever rash guy was going through before he got killed yeah, by those they, golf balls they get crushed they get crushed i think it's fair that they both get an LVP here. I think this is the second LVP for Saeed this season, in fact. Uh, so that's happening. Um, I'll give uh, I'll give one to Jack. Uh, mm-hmm. Bedside manner stuff. I think there was probably better ways of getting this all going in, in a productive way for everybody. Uh, so I and I think for you know reasons that we just discussed of like why is Jack so trusting of Juliet here? Um, I think like he he could have done this one better. I feel I feel like Jack. Uh, Jack did, Jack's comeback here from all of this time away from the beach, I think, uh, could have used some work. Yeah, I don't think Jack did a great job handling all the questions coming his way with the 815 press conference that we listened to. No. Did not go no. on. I think Eric Divesheim made a great point of, like, you don't need to go from a 1 to a 10. Like, maybe take your trust level at a 7 and then leave a little bit of room for doubt. Uh, I'm going to give my final LVP point, sort of like a memorial LVP point. I'm going to give it to Ethan because this is just a reminder of how much he really yeah. did botch that whole Claire kidnapping thing. Yeah, he thing. screwed it up. He screwed it up. He, I guess he thought to put the implant in her, which is good. I suppose so. But I, I, that could have been beforehand. You know, maybe one of those injections that he was administering, like the implant was already there. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I'm, I'm fine with an LVP towards Ethan. Ethan shows up. You want to punch his face? And, that makes and, sense and This me. might be one of the last William Mapother appearances as well. Uh, he shows up in the final season for sure. He shows up in season five as well uh, during some of the time hopping stuff. Um, oh, so we'll right, see- right, right. Yeah, Locke does run into him. And- yeah, so we'll see him again. Um, but it might be the last time for for a minute. Um, I'm going to give my last one to Ben because uh, like he's just really cruel and yeah. terrible. Plus, and, and, and beyond plus, that, also, I think like him instilling so much confidence in Juliet after all of the shit that he's put her through here ends up being uh, really the undoing of a lot of things for Ben. I think Ben trusting Juliet here ends up being like a major fail. Yeah, him him on choosing to make her the mole is both like the best and worst decision he can make in that yeah. like he's giving her the opportunity Long term. To, to turn yeah. on him. Plus, he does like legitimately get his pants pulled down. His puffy pants get pulled down at one point when he has a tumor. <laughs> so like Um 
Uh, as far as totals, by the way, uh, it should be noted that uh, Hurley has officially surpassed Mr. Echo. Um, oh, wow. So the, at the top of the MVP ladder right now, it's still Saeed. But Hurley's coming for him. Yeah, especially uh, since Saeed just lost a point that's closing the gap. So Hurley, uh, Hurley has 19 and Saeed has 21. Uh, so it's tight. It's tight at the top. Yeah, and anything I'm seeing right now, Kate has 14 to Echo's 16. Kate only needs a few more points and she could pass Echo as well. She'll uh, she'll be a contender for this whole thing. I don't I don't think that she'll make the right. The, I think, I think we're know, we're past the salad days of nah. season one when she was really up there for a while. Make a salad days. Um, all right, let's do the four point two stars. Mike, I'll give a very solid three and a half to one of us. I don't know that this needs like a huge discussion. It's a it's a good ep- it's a really good episode of Lost. I really yeah. enjoyed it. Phenomenal performances. Some beach shenanigans, a great montage, beautiful music, all the things that you really love about Lost. A few questions here or there, maybe not massively memorable, maybe some missed opportunities in doing like our first ever flashback for one of the others on the island. Could have been a little bit more detailed. Um, but all in all, it's a good time. Juliet dunks so hard on Sawyer mm-hmm. and Saeed, and it's magical. So a three and a half, I feel good about this, which I think is what I gave tabula rasa back in the day and i think that these there's a similarity to these episodes to me yeah i think not just the music and i agree which is why i'm going to give it the same score i gave tabula uh, tabula rasa as well at 3.4 and this episode i feel like it was like on the same level of that and like ooh and found which we also gave a 3.5 and a 3.42 so i think that's like a good roundabout score for like a solid episode of loss that has some hills definitely some valleys like some missed opportunities but overall is like at least a pretty good time uh and our audience agrees i believe we we have an overall rating of a 3.4 and i see it ranges from basically the high twos to the some of some high threes as well so i think i even see a four or no, actually i'm looking at the wrong one uh yeah i think i think everyone's pretty much in agreement that like this is a solid episode i think it's, it's just, good really good you know i, yeah. I loved it i, I was very De- happy definitely a step up from last week yeah i think so for sure and so that Um, so that's going to average out to i believe a 3.43 is the uh the final average of one of us at the moment which is going to put it right below i do at a 3.46 above par avion and a 3.23 to leave it at number 10 right now double digits for one of us I think at the moment, that is exactly the right place for it. Agreed. Um, I think that there are better episodes coming up for sure, so it'll get knocked down. It'll be back half. But it will get back up three. again. Uh, but but that's fine. I'm, I'm totally... <laughs> Chumbawamba. Uh, so I'm, I'm totally good with that. All right. Next week, Catch-22. Uh, I think considered the weakest of the Desmond episodes, except maybe the final season's Desmond mm-hmm. episode. But I have a very... A special place in my heart for this one. I love Cats 22. I cannot wait to talk about this one. I'm excited. I'm excited to to hear about it because I know that, like, especially well, it's got big Trisha Tanaka energy, but it also has mythology behind it. And I think because it's filtered through sort of like a a pretty serious, um, you know, lens and like this like big like urgency behind the mission that Desmond is on. Um, it's it cannot be like the same sort of like brand ambassador that Trisha Tanaka is for me, mm-hmm. but I think it's got a lot of those same strengths that Trisha Tanaka has, uh, while also pushing the plot forward in a really important way and really getting us even closer on the Charlie and Desmond stuff. Right? Um, there's uh, I, be- I I don't remember if this is uh, if this is the one where Sawyer and Jack play ping pong with each other, or if that's DOC. But there's yeah. just, there's a I, lot this, of really this, really great material coming up. This is the one with the mixtape. I I remember that uh, the Bernard tape. Yeah, because this is one. 
I'm intri- I'm intrigued to come back to this one because this is one that also sort of fell in like that that middling middle stretch of season three episodes where like I think we do get some love quadrangle stuff going on, particularly the connection between Kate and Sawyer gets reinvigorated. But I do remember the uh, the jungle stuff. I remember being a lot of fun. The quartet of like Desmond, Hurley, Jin, and Charlie. Like you said, it's, it's sort of a remix of the Trisha Tanaka group, but it's really fun. The flashbacks are going to be interesting because I remember in that in the moment being like we just had this crazy storytelling episode in uh flashes before your eyes why are we going back to a proper flashback format so i'm excited to, to relitigate desmond's monk days yeah i like it i i think this is a great one it's uh co-written by jeff pinkner and brian k vaughn i i think this is brian k vaughn's first writing credit on lost and he is uh not just one of my favorite comic book writers, but I think one of the great comic book writers. Uh, so uh, I can't wait. I can't wait. Can't wait to talk about Cast 22. That's coming your way next week. Get your feedback in uh, down the hatch at postshowrecaps.com. We're going to record a little bit earlier mm-hmm. next week due to Thanksgiving. Yeah, we're going to have to dig into our own hot fudge oatmeal on that Thursday. <laughs> so we'll be recording yep. a bit earlier. So uh, get that feedback in, I would say, by like end of day on Monday uh, would be Yeah, well, watch be it over the ideal. weekend and send in your feedback ASAP. We love the feedback that the Hatchlings have been providing. So even if it's a holiday, uh, try, try to get things in nice and early. You don't want, we don't want to be stuck in a, a paradox, Josh, where there is both no feedback and all the feedback to get through. That would be quite the Catch-22. Oh, so Catch-22 coming up. Um, Mike Bloom's got a ton going on. Mm-hmm. He has Star Trek disco parties happening on Sundays. Ooh, yeah. Every Sunday, he's got the amazing race two times a week with the tar pit and the regular recap. He's got, uh, what else you got? You got out, wit, out, play, out, list. Yes, not out, lost, out, RGP. list. Uh, but we're talking, yes. we're talking some jewelry this week as myself and Rob Serino and Shannon Gus, who has made her way through a couple of PSR podcasts the past couple of weeks. We got together to rate and rank Famous immunity necklaces throughout 40 seasons of Survivor. It was a very fun time talking some questionable aesthetics from Survivor over two decades. So if you're a Survivor fan or you are jonesing for some off-season content, we have about two and a half hours ready for you at this point in the, in the proper feed. And of course, you can check out all the other stuff I'm writing about for Parade.com and CBR.com as well. You love to see it. You love to hear it. You love to hear. We've got so much for you to hear here on Post Show Recaps. It's the down the hatch every week. The disco parties happening. Fear the Walking Dead, World Beyond, Mandalorian. Everything is super. Hang in there. Just an incredible amount of stuff, and that's all the stuff for free. Not even mentioning what's happening at Patreon.com/slash Post Show Recaps, where we've got three special podcasts for the patrons every single week. Check that out. Patreon.com slash post show recaps. Uh, speaking of hot fudge, Mike, uh, and Thanksgiving, uh, we are going to be watching Willy Wonka Ooh. live in the post show recaps patron discord at 3 p.m. Eastern on Thanksgiving uh, Day. Quite the bean feast. So if you'd like to be a part of that, if you've got no Thanksgiving plans or if you've got a hole in your day on Thanksgiving and you want to fill it up with some sweet, sweet chocolate. Uh, I'll be helming a watch party in the Post Show Recaps patron Discord on Thanksgiving, 3 p.m. Eastern, watching Willy Wonka. I think it's going to be a blast. Mm-hmm. So I hope to see you there. If you are a member of the Patreon already and a member of the Discord already, I hope to see you there. If you are not yet, maybe this is some incentive. It's going to be a really, really fun time. A great community building moment. And no, not Yeah, I was going to say, well, there also podcast. is great community building moments literally every week. Absolutely. All right. So we'll talk Catch Train 2 next week. Until then, everybody, take care. Bye-bye.
Hello, it is your partner, Big Boy, interested in giving back to your community while making new connections in your neighborhood. Introducing Neighbor to Neighbor, a California volunteers network that empowers you to take action, contribute to local needs, and be a part of something bigger than yourself. Visit caneighbors.com to learn more about how you can get to know your neighbor and strengthen your community. Neighbor to Neighbor, it takes a neighborhood. Hello.